Welcome to another edition of Indiepocalypse Radio. I'm your host, Andrew, the creator, co- uh, editor, curator, etc., etc., of Indiepocalypse Radio. Yes, the music is sick. I never listen. I never interact with the chat, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> I, I host this thing so I can play sick music that I like, uh, uh, so I can trick people into be like, "What if I also listen to Drinking Boys and Girls Choir?" And I think you should. Uh, it's great if you're I also if you like punk music I often like punk music I like music that's loud and fast and sometimes mad about something or sometimes it's it wants to say anyway uh, I actually usually by the time I when I say anyway you have to explain myself but I explain myself in apocalypse if you don't know what it is it's of course the the monthly ongoing uh, exploration of underground game I'm I'm, I'm I'm turning around to underground. I think I'm going to use underground a bit more. Sounds cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than like indie. Yes. Yes. Indie is a useless nonsense of a word. Uh, So now you're underground apocalypse. (laughs) Yes. uh, No, I will still use indie apocalypse, but to just call them indie games is very um, uh, pointless to, to, to use an American turn of phrase. It's, It's a nothing burger of a word. Uh, it like too 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 much of it d- describes people who have millions of dollars, and I in my life have never had millions of dollars, and never will have millions of dollars that you could in- then invest in other people. Like, how much money is that? How do you have? <laughs> how does a human how do you being make money? <laughs> possess that much money? Like, how how do you come into possessions of millions of dollars? Anyway, <laughs> uh, that all said. We are here. You heard you heard a little of them uh, previously. We are here with our first guest who made. This is a show where I talk to people who are usually in the apocalypse, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes we're just game people. Sometimes we're just people I want to talk to. Uh, this is like I'm, I feel like I'm feeling 100, 113 episodes. I'm hitting my stride for what this show is. I think. <laughs> I came uh, oh wow! I just realized there's been 113 episodes of this. Yes, <laughs> uh, in, in less than a week, there's going to be 42 issues of Indiepocalypse, uh, and this the voice you heard was from issue three of Indiepocalypse. Uh, yeah, that was early. Yes, <laughs> yes, very early with Sacrament Playground. It's Adrian Dittrich. Adrian, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing fine. Ah, perfect. Uh, technically, it's going to be the forty-fourth issue because there's two bonus issues, but it's the forty-second sequential issue. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of issue three, I want you to cast your mind back uh, thirty-nine months. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes, over over three years ago. <laughs> Shit, over three years, right? Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Yes, I want you to cast your back mind back over three years ago. And I got to know, how'd you hear about Indiepocalypse? Uh, well, I can't remember. I think mostly that uh, I like I was in a jam for that one, for a saccharine playground. Yeah. And I think someone just suggested it. I'm not, I'm not even sure, actually. Like, yeah, I no. cannot <laughs> remember how we got in contact. I, that is, uh, I would not expect you to remember. It was a very... <laughs> Uh, three yeah that's a very long time ago that is you know uh a lot has changed in three years <laughs> you know 
three uh, the beginning of three years was a very like we were we were uh issue three of indie pox we were indeed deep in learning all about uh the novel coronavirus and oh yeah that going that won't last very long maybe let's sanitize and wash our hands uh, uh so much for that <laughs> but lots of time to make games while at home yeah it's a very issue three is really weird like like it got a lot of people like really like off the bat. It, it kind of shows, I guess, not that these people were not, uh, uh, you know, accomplished developers beyond, you know, before Indie Apocalypse, but it's like, oh, it's weird to see now three years later, you know, uh, uh, Damien Crawford with a published game and like, you know, Remy with uh, Punk Cake is in probably like almost oh, yeah. a year into Pancake its own. Punk Cake Delicia, I remember that when it yeah. started. That that itself is probably almost into a year, right? Yeah. But, uh, uh, but you, we'll talk about something that you've been doing in a second. But, uh, but let's, first, let's for people who don't know, what is Saccharin Playground? Uh, so Saccharin Playground is uh, a game I made in uh, collaboration with uh, artist and musician June Flower. And uh, we basically, it's about uh, cute dolls uh, doing horrible things. Uh, like uh, your main character is basically trying to uh, uh, like give away all his uh, friends' sins to the local god. It's a very oppressive game, but with very cute characters. And uh, you, lots of them interact in a funny way. Like you can use, uh, like each, each character has a, a little power you can use. And it's uh, sort of a Metroidvania, like there's a kind of big world to explore, uh, but it kind of loops around. And uh, you need to figure out uh, uh, how to uh, best locate uh, your friend's uh, sins and, uh, you know, un- discover them, uncover them. Yeah. And then the claw takes them away. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's uh... yeah, that's, it feels like, you know, you're bump- we're bumping up against the language that's difficult to talk about in games because, you know, uh, Metroidvania is like, you know, by sort of your own mission there. Not the best way to describe it, but it's also like the language for describing yeah. these sorts of like uh, exploration is kind of... Because you wouldn't call it... Yeah, like world. otherwise you, you need to say like it's an exploration platformer with unlockable power-ups and right. uh, uh, unlockable locations. And that's way too long. So just Metroidvania is okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's we need. I think we need more aggressive subgenre in subgenre in in games. There's there's yeah. we, we just not enough. I need I need uh, a, a saccharine like, playground like. Yes, exactly. We need like a million like little, and we need to stop naming them after games. That is my own personal cross to bear. Like I'm sick of naming genres after games. Uh. I, I, well, I want to name them after uh, feelings or vibes or even 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 naming them after gameplay is too much for me. Uh, uh, but but speaking about gameplay and uh, even the idea of uh, good gameplay is maybe a little overrated uh, to some extent. Because <laughs> I wanted to ask you about uh, the the most. Uh, uh, famous, uh, perhaps, 
four-letter acronym game making yeah, jam. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the GBTK. The jam. GBTK, the Game Breakers uh, <laughs> Toolkit. Yeah, camp. that's uh, that's my life now. I'm currently playing a lot of bad games. Uh, so for those who don't know, GBTK is uh, the acronym of Game Breakers Toolkit Jam, where the goal is to make the worst possible game. And it's amazing. Like uh, We have truly amazing works of art uh, stemming from that game. Yeah. Like, really, when I think indie games, I think about like GBTK. I think about uh, janky games, which are still... like I'd say not all of them, but a bunch of them are very fun to play despite being made purpo- like purposefully bad. Right. Yeah, I think we um, put too much effort on uh, games playing well, which yeah, is a we silly put too thing much to budget into games. And yeah, like uh, too much effort. Like, uh, it's, it's, to be honest, like one of my most like successful games in terms of money made. It was actually made for GPTK. Like it's called uh, Endless Adventuring, and I think I earned around eight hundred dollars from it. Oh, uh, even though it was perp- like it was um, made bad on purpose, it actually is the game which got me the most money. Yeah, that's uh, that is a uh, like see, that, but but that's the the thing. I think we need uh, making things good on purpose. Kind of is it's how you get people taking also if you want to know how i made those 800 dollars, it's because i submitted it to a jam called uh i want shorter games with uh, bad graphics and where the developers are paid more yes uh, hosted by i think uh damien damien crawford i believe so yeah Yeah. Uh, which i highly recommend yes i think i was also in that one because one one of the times i was like i want some money too (laughs) exactly i I oh wait look at all these see the, the fun thing about uh, doing this for so long is I I clicked on it and I'm like I know all these I know all these people yeah <laughs> these are all these are all I mean ninety percent of them are also like oh these are all people in Indie Apocalypse too of course uh, but uh, yeah if you look at uh, like bad games with uh, worse graphics where the developers are paid more like th- those are the kinds of games i want to play personally yeah and i don't really care for triple a games anymore no like, except the usual zelda maybe i still play zelda even though i have no time for it <laughs> right yes that's the other thing it's like uh time too you know it's a yeah. real <laughs> you kind of underestimate how much of it you have, but there is a yeah, shorter games means you can play them with less time. You actually have to, I don't know, work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, like say if you have to work and then um, also you work on a secondary, you know, you have a real paying job, then you have, you know, the independent job mm-hmm. of an independent artist. And then you have to do things like eat and sleep yeah. and no time to play games. When you right. Right. Yeah, no, I've 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 increasingly realized that I have a very short window to play games, mm-hmm. and I'm like gotta find in like. Then also, it's, that assumes that my whole like leisure time is spent playing games. What if I want to watch a movie? No, it's not. Like I also play board games. I also go outside. Oh like, yeah, exercising <laughs> is important. Yes, yes, uh, I recently... travel. Like there's a bunch of stuff you can do other than playing games. Yeah, there's a whole. To there there's you know there's how there's how many of years before of human existence before they even invented games what were they doing before, what were they doing then yeah only being bored they weren't just sitting in their house waiting for video games to be invented 
Although, although I suppose probably some people were. They were like, oh, I wish I, I mean, could. They were probably doing stuff like telling each other stories and yes. writing stuff, maybe, which is sort of the same. Like, it achieves a similar thing to video games. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, and I feel like that's coming. I talk about this show on this show a lot, but that is becoming more common where, where it's becoming more accessible to make games. We're getting closer to that, uh, games as sharing experiences and less like games as products. Yeah, it is easier now. Like there's a bunch of stuff, like, uh, even though I think it's a horrible platform, there's Roblox, which still makes it really easy for anyone of any age to, uh, make multiplayer games like it's never been more easy uh, yeah there's a bunch of options now for uh young game devs yeah yeah and then like and those can just easily be you know intros to hey i'm making like a more robust engine that i don't have to <laughs> that i own the, the results of and but um, they're like all these like different toolkits and uh engines and and just like approaches and i and i think that's why uh having something like a like a counterpoint uh, of like gbtk is good for people because i think it's too easy if you're starting out to get caught up in hustle culture you know yeah if you're trying to uh get better and better and just right. make the best thing sometimes you end up not making anything at all because you're too caught up in trying to make the best thing you just don't do anything Right, right. Uh, I've actually known people who their first game was a, a GPTK game uh, because otherwise they would never finish their main, you know, the big dream project you've been working on for a few years, but you're never releasing that one. It's right. actual effort. Because it has to be perfect. You have to release at the yeah. right time. You have to have all the wish lists. You have to have... Marketing. Uh, yeah, because there's this we're we're in this moment. I mean, I, I think that's always existed to some extent, but especially it feels maybe amplified that like if you're not successful out the gate, just forget about it. You know. Yeah. Well, with GPTK, you just take a few days. Maybe yeah. you take the entire week and just do make something, release it. It's gonna be shit, but that's the point. Yeah, that is, I think we need to encourage more people. That it is very close to. Uh, uh, the the few times I've uh, actually dipped into game making again, I've referred to it as like sketching, and I think GPTK mm -hmm. is a good way to like get people to sketch games. You know, like yeah. sometimes uh, your the hands you drew all day look like shit, but you drew them. <laughs> <laughs> but so, if you draw them for GPTK, they're fine. Right, yeah. right. Sometimes your game doesn't work really, but you made it. <laughs> Yeah, I think honestly, my, my my opinion is that making a game and releasing it is the important part. Like yeah. like the, the even if it's a small game, even if it's a bad game, the important part is having it available for people to play as soon as possible. I mean, that's also basically how the AAA world functions anyway now. Like right. you release buggy games really fast, and then you expect to get uh, patches from them. Uh, but I still think that as a developer, that's that's what you should thrive to do. You should yes. just release games. That's right, all, that's and, the most important part. And then with the indie lifestyle, you're like, oh, if it's broken, ah, wait for the next one. <laughs> It'll yeah, that's fine. You know, just uh, start new projects all the time. It's right. it happens. <laughs> right, because you don't have to like worry about uh, 
it, not everything has to be like a forever project you know you can jam yeah. around more and yeah game, game jams in general are good for just publishing small stuff getting seen getting known right right because it's like hey i want to i want to make something and i want to like there there's sometimes jam culture when jam culture when game jam culture uh feels like crunch culture and not like jam <laughs> culture uh is when i when i feel bad about it i'm like yeah, i don't like that but i i appreciate more that is when people is like yeah you just make something you know <laughs> and there's no like yeah. prize or uh like like you're not like crunching to hit a deadline or something and you're just like, like for me the prize is having people play the thing i made yeah yeah there's and there's a lot of uh because uh, game developers don't can't like do gigs you know they can't play gigs because it's just you've just published something online you don't get that kind of immediate feedback you don't have an audience to to bounce off of in the same way that other that other arts do so it's like that uh it's it's nice to be able to uh just kind of because a jam at the very least you hope if it's working right you at least all the other contributors will play your games actually all the other contributors but usually some of them do and yeah. there's uh some kind of judging team so yeah so there's at least somebody. There's people who yeah, are like, somebody's got to play your thing, and they're and they're at least and they're trying to engage with it too, you know. Yeah. Which I think is uh, an important aspect that gets lost of of just kind of uh, promotion without engagement. I think is a tricky thing. I think kind of probably uh, uh, is 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 frequent in the sort of like hyper indie space and that's 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 the the minor issue with this idea of like you know shorter games with worse graphics is it's people will be like oh yeah i love these but uh it, it came up a lot last time people were talking about this like oh people going like oh you love these things but what games do you actually love like name two <laughs> <Yeah>. of them <laughs> and, and i saw i saw more what people, are the real games you like <laughs> yes yes it's, it's great that you you can say that it's a fun little slogan but if you don't name any games it's just kind of an empty slogan and i saw more people be kind of expressing that that attitude of uh you gotta actually, and but that the the tricky thing is, I think, uh, social media does not uh, it does not encourage you to engage with things people aren't talking about. Yeah. Uh, it, it yeah, to... like usually, like I have uh, a few uh, YouTuber friends who play some of my games among other things, and like there's one of the like I I like him a lot, but it's just that I know for a fact that when he plays like binding of isaac he's gonna get more viewers that's right like just uh more people will see it and i've seen people like when he plays smaller indie games people comment on his videos like when are you playing isaac and yeah I, isaac is a great game but so like i like other smaller ones too yeah yeah there's you know isaac came from somewhere it was it didn't come from a vacuum you know it it came from it came itself from a legacy of you know small games and i think you know it's easy it's easy to like not realize that uh 
very rarely do those things you really like come fully formed out of the ether. <laughs> it's usually someone. Yeah. It is usually some legacy of like, you know, flash development that like led to, mm-hmm. oh, now I made the binding of Isaac after uh, 30 other games that were made. Oh yeah, speaking of uh, Flash, I'm uh, really happy with the current state of uh, Newgrounds as well. Like, yes, uh, yeah. If, if you want to make something and have people play your game without any effort, just go on Newgrounds. It's very easy. Uh, like, you just make something, people will play it. It's, yeah. Uh, it's really a good platform, as long as your game is a browser game and free. Right, right. But it, it's... Fascinating that Newgrounds survived, but also like yeah. you know they put in the effort to make sure that it survived because they were like yeah they did they you know they built that whole like flash uh, replacement thing uh, oh they went to, there was a they went to too many I could have gone to too many I've been to too many games before I could have met <laughs> I could have been there with Tom Fulp yeah um, yeah well. Uh, I actually thought. Anyway, that's. I'm looking at. I'm getting distracted now. Uh, yeah, I've, Newgrounds is amazing. <laughs> I've had people say like, "You should get. You should get deep into Newgrounds." And I got. There's a lot of stuff. To, there's a lot of stuff to do. You should, and there is still time. Honestly, like uh, yeah. sometimes, I like I, I recommend Newgrounds to a new developer to like publish their first game on and. You don't need anything. Just make a browser game and people will play it, will comment on it. Maybe if it's bad, they'll play it for less long, but it's it's still a really good platform for free indie games. Right. Uh, Yes, yes. It it is like... It it still is what it is, you know? Newgrounds didn't change. (laughs) That's the beauty of, like... The internet is like you don't actually need to change what you do. You don't need to uh, like pivot to video. Uh, you know, you don't need to adapt, and it basically looks the same too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it doesn't really look that much different than what I remember it to be. Maybe a little cleaner in some spots, but still just like a front page full of shit. Uh, I like the fact that the front page is actually full of games when compared to like Game Jolt. Which does not really have games anymore. What wait? What is Game Shield now? What does it do? Uh, you don't need to learn about that. It used to be a platform kind of like H, where you could upload your games, but now it's it's sort of a social network. Like they basically turned a game uploading platform into Discord, like a mix between Discord and Twitter. Oh, that's weird. I used to I used to upload some in early indie apocalypses to Game Shield, but like nobody used it, you know. So. Yeah. I didn't. It has absolutely zero organic reach. Like uh, uh, even on itch, like when I look at the uh, uh, analytics, there's some people, some amount of people who just discover the game because it's on itch. But on Game Jolt, I had one of my projects with just zero views other than my own. Right. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, I was like, why did I get a million views? It was because of the sale. People probably going through the sales. <laughs> oh, um, probably. But yeah, that is that is that is uh, a weird thing, because I remember Game Jolt being kind of like one of the early places you could. It, it was cool, like when it got out. It was one of the first platforms where you could monetize your indie games, and I made a bit of money from it. 
but they just slowly turned their platform away from uh, game dev and turning it into a social network. Which is uh, pointless. (laughs) But anyway, anyway, uh, we're actually, we're at the end of our our segment here. Oh, I have 42 notifications on Game Jolt. (laughs) My God, there's a bunch of people following me. A lot of a lot of people following me. Oh, you know what? It's because they follow. So it looks like someone followed like every issue. Oh, I put up the issue fifteen on there. I was at that for a while. Um, yeah. Anyway, we've already reached the end of our segment here. But an important question before we go, mm-hmm. uh, I need to ask this of every guest. Uh, an unofficial, uh, the the second unofficial indie apocalypse question. Uh, uh, yeah. Do Do you have a favorite Toho character? Uh, God, uh, you know, I don't know any of the Toho characters' names. Like, I know the songs, I know how they look, but I do not actually have a favorite Toho character. I guess uh, the one with the rainbow wing crystal things. I have okay. no idea what her name is. Marissa uh, or something? No, no, Marissa is the witch. She likes to steal things. Uh, the person with yeah, the, the the wings, she lives in the Scarlet Devil Mansion. She's not Patchouli. She's not Sakuya. She's, 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 I forgot. Uh... <laughs> I, 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 now it's bugging me because I kind of know it. But anyway, I am <laughs> not a Toho name? expert either. But <laughs> I'm curious. It has become a part of the show that I enjoy asking people. But we're going to go on break. Uh, oh, Flandre. Okay, it's Flandre. Yes, Flandre. Yes. Yeah. I, I like so, the yeah, whole... if you ask me what my favorite Toho character is, it's Flandre. I kind of like the whole vibe of all those people in that, that whole setting. But, uh, Adrian, thank you for being here. We're going to go on break. Uh, Okay, thank you for having me. And we'll be back in about a minute 20. Goodbye. Hello, and welcome back to uh, Indiepocalypse Radio. Uh, That was Los Campesinos with... It started with a mix. We are here with our next guest, who you... There's my thing. Who you may know from issue 16 of Indiepocalypse. Still a long time ago. But less long time ago, uh, with Power Couple, it's Mark Strox. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, going great, going great. Glad to have you on the show. Uh, glad to. Um, this is we're, we've been doing some spelunking lately on the Indiepocalypse Radio of going all the way to the past and double checking with people one last time. And I'm glad all the people are saying, "Yeah, I'll give it a, sh- I'll give that show a shot." Uh, now that you have time to prepare, I have an important question for you. I want you to cast your mind back, uh, what is that, uh, over two years ago. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, right, right. That's um, that's math, right? Because two years is 24. 24 plus 16 is 40. Uh, we're on to 42. So over two years ago. Classic Indiepocalypse doing math on stream. Uh, it is. How did you hear about Indiepocalypse? It was a game jam as well, and yes. I've been thinking that lately. I don't know why I have never hosted any. It is so it is such a good idea to use that to um, get people to learn about whatever you're you're advertising or get people to join you in your your co op or whatever. And I, I don't use that enough. It's genius. Yeah. Yes. The as a, as a tool, if you're using itch as a tool to just like get people, even like not making a jam as a tool to just kind of get people in the same space and submit their games to something. It's a great game submission tool. 
and I think people have like adapt like adapted to using it for that kind of like if they want to make huge bundles, they'll be like submit your game to this or whatever, and that kind of thing. I'm always like I'll see people release a game and then soon after they'll have a, a jam for like hacks or or supplemental stuff for that game or whatever on the tabletop. Yes, I yes, was, I should say. Yes, I was gonna and, I was I was gonna perfectly transition to that. You are a tabletop designer, which. Uh, uh, are also featured in Apocalypse from time to time. Uh, you're the yours is the only project I think that has done s- such an incredible job to kind of connect to all the different communities on itch. I, th- I mean, that's the only time that I've seen like indie games and video games and other types of projects all in the same thing. I, that really is the only time. Yeah, I, I, I'm a I'm a longtime fan of tabletop games as well. But also, I think there there's room for like these spaces to, like, interact with each other, like and like you know, art does that art that comes from the art form it's in is so is deeply limited. So you know, uh, it becomes very circular. So it's I think it's fun to get people like oh I've played some video games and I'm gonna play some tabletop games or I'm really into tabletop. I'm going to play some video games. It's, it's a lost opportunity that people don't do combined projects more. Honestly, you should have someone making the, the, you know, 16 bit version while you're making the tabletop version. And cause I mean, I've been to a, bu- a bunch of game development seminars and stuff. And they always say like prototype your game, as a tabletop game first anyways yeah you know so it's like there's such a big connection there and obviously with role-playing games so there really should be more i do see like soundtracks for tabletop games sometimes but that's about it right right and like it's a lot of tabletop games are like uh they, they come from like a place of adaptation of like broader ideas uh, including sometimes mm-hmm. video games yeah, I know, exactly. I think that's become bigger more recently, too. Yeah. It's like, how do I make my favorite game into a customizable experience? I think that's the only thing. That's probably the biggest thing. I, would, I shouldn't say only thing. That's probably the biggest thing that tabletop gaming has that um, I think other media forms don't have as much, which is it's a totally personalized um, totally personalized experience. Every single time you're at the table, you make your own story. You're, you're deciding all the choices. Video games have that to some degree, but, you know, they have a plot that you're following, right. usually. Right, they, so, have, they have rules. Yeah. So how do you grab all of that from your favorite video game and then, you know, drop yourself into the world and make your own choices or make your own stories? I think that, that is something that people try to, to pursue in tabletop games a lot too, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because you tabletop games it's not just like uh they're not they're not all one sheets to say pretend you're Mario. Uh mm-hmm. they're like it's it's Which, fa- Sorry. that's a whole other topic right. too of, because sometimes like i don't know if if there's like I, I love a lot of the great tabletop publishers there's some that have gotten really big over the last couple of years and you know obviously besides you know wizards of the coast and all those big ones but like sometimes that you're excited that they get the license for your favorite series yeah and then they release it and it's like literally just have the same story again or just just be the exact same as the main character from the movie and i'm like that's not what i want <laughs> my when i watch the movie i'm like okay cool this story has been told but there's a million more you could tell in this world that's what the game should be about you right. know but it, man i don't i'm sorry the the uh yeah. they usually do a really good job but the blade runner game i was like this is a little bit too it's like you're literally just telling me to make like blade runner 3 
Right, right. Where there, I want to, I want to have like my own version, you know. All right, you want to see what what the Blade Runner is like outside of the like the frame of the movie, you know. I think that's mm-hmm. the, that's the appeal of like. Listen, it's it's improv acting and role playing, you know. It is not. Yeah. Uh, uh, script writing and like sequelization it's people exploring the fringes of of like what they want to create and what they want to uh like imagine but speaking of what people want to imagine uh, what would people be imagining if they were playing power couple which is to say tell me a little bit about power couple i have I'm looking through it now. I have not looked at this game in a year since like <laughs> yes. I said this was two years ago. Um, it's interesting because first of all, I've done way more. Like I said, I've gone to seminars. You know, I've done a lot more projects since then, and it, I would say my style in terms of writing and development has grown a lot and it's changed a lot. It would be really interesting to see if there's anything that I would change here. This is probably my first foray into like gmless play yeah where um you know you were letting the cards kind of decide everything and that that's definitely become my obsession i i everything i do is some version of you know gmless or solo play or something because i think that if you can just have procedures in there that create all the information yeah it's it's perfect for you also if if every every game i read is always like okay you say what you want to do then you roll, and then if you fail, basically, the GM tells you what your consequences are. Yeah. If I could just streamline those consequences, you're good. Now when you fail, you just <laughs> pick one of the consequences, you know? So it's like, right. you know, and uh, and it's really fun, I think, when you have, like, a big group of people all collaboratively with their own characters, building the story together kind of thing. And this was really my first attempt at that, um, which I think was really cool. It's also, at the time, this was when Harrow games were just kind of starting. I remember when I was thinking about yeah. how to do this game, I was like, is that a little risque or not or uncouth or I don't know what word you would say, but right. yeah, I mean, I, this is like someone's a lot of people I'm sure very treat this very seriously in terms of their religion and their culture. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, they're just like another version of playing cards. But there's yeah. tons of tarot games right. now. Right. You know? Right. And and in some regards, they are just another version of playing cards. Yeah, uh, and, and then even if you if you speak to people who, you know, yeah. who deal so, with tarot a lot, they'll tell you yeah. that as well, you know. I want to just jump in here. Yes. The tarot cards and the playing cards actually overlap. So the thing is the tarot cards have an additional um, set of cards. Like, they have they have 22 additional cards, yeah. but there are also cards that directly correspond to the playing cards, and you can do a tarot reading with playing cards. Um, it just won't have the major arcana, but that's, like, something that some people do. Gotcha. Right, and I think the major arcana is so fascinating too, and the the symbolism there is really powerful for um, more inspirational gaming. I would say, you know, right? If, if yeah. I, it's much more interesting to me than if I if I roll a d twenty and get sixteen. That's so boring compared to rolling, you know, drawing a card and it's the magician. Oh my gosh, you know that story. You right, know, right. So it's honestly perfect for that kind yeah. of work. Yeah, for for people just like even people who are just like very unfamiliar with tarot conceptually, uh, it does it does have a like as it, it's more evocative. Just just even in terms of phrases like the magician, uh, 
even if you're just mm-hmm. drawing, you know, a, a collection of these phrases, they, they, I think that's what what's drawn a lot of people to, cause I do see a lot of tarot, uh, used as a card drawing mechanic in tabletop now. Mm-hmm. And I see it. And in, in addition to just like standard, uh, like bicycle style, is that what they're called? Uh, playing cards i was like wait a minute what are the, what, are, what do you call those the the bicycle mm-hmm. deck is like yeah. a really classic deck but yeah right. i think you could play playing cards yeah i, I sorry I, i'm just like jumping in specifically for things about cards no no <laughs> i'm glad that, that, that's a, a little a little sneak peek of our next guest but the, mm-hmm. the, i i i think that's how the show works i i was saying during in the break zone that this is kind of like we're all theoretically at the same table uh even if there's mm-hmm. a, a focus guest but anyone can jump in if they if need to provide data that I save me the time of searching this information. <laughs> but yes, yeah, uh, happy to provide it. A glad and glad to receive it. Uh, um, uh, so yes, yeah. Looking back at this game, um, it's a I, I I really do like it. I think basically it's the um, all the major arcana are different situations that you that you are presented with. Right. So the empress is one of your one of your parents or like you know mentors arrives. And they could be not even from Earth. Yeah. So I guess I should give an overview of the game. What it is is you are the power couple. You are the Goku and Vegeta, or the can't think of another example. But that you're the means... two most powerful people on yeah. Earth, basically. And if a threat comes, you have to deal with it. And then the tarot cards will help show you what that threat is. Um, and I, I still love that idea. I think I would do more with it now. I think some things have changed in terms of this was this was my big conceptual combination of action and romance too. And I yeah. think I would do even more with that as well. So right, because uh, and something you mentioned earlier, and I think it, this is especially this is another very interesting part of. Uh, game design you mentioned at the very top of you know when you talking about improving on this made me think about that is uh the idea of hacks and alterations is very common within uh, game development you know i play mm-hmm. I, I come across a lot of games like oh this you know i have games to I'm like this game looks very familiar in terms of how to play and it's rules are like oh right it's because this is also a hack of you know x game uh and that is like it's genius because uh, you already know the rules, right? Right, right. Like you already know how to play. And it's like, and if you're just getting into game development too, you know, you can rip the game up and learn like why? Why is it like this? What's different to to, to other, you know, game development? I don't even know what you call them schools. Right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it and it helps you to be like, I you don't have to create your entire rule set, you know. Uh, Mm-hmm. Especially when you're dealing with like you know a lot of a lot of role playing games, whether they're using dice or cards, deal with like some degree of randomization uh, as like your your additional player on the table, and ha- having someone else already work out the logistics of that randomization to be like these are good numbers that generally work uh, for this game, I think can like alleviate a burden for a lot of people. Yeah, and I'm always trying to find more. I I think that's why I'm 
looking harder into like resolution mechanics yeah and you know whether a gm is needed but i'm also always trying to find i think honestly my game my gaming education totally my world totally opened when i when i played power by the apocalypse because it presented such a simple thing as the partial success right or and then the story generated you know resolution too but that's a whole other thing um so it was it's like okay most of the time you're going to get a little bit of what you want and you're going to have to deal with some consequences too because that's what real life is like i think there's depending on what kind of game you're making there's other things you can do with it too um, because a lot of people emulate that. It's either you you succeed or you don't, or you know success, partial success and and failure. And I think there's more ways you can do with that too. Um, I don't know. I want to say like the fantasy flight Star Wars has the like you have a role to see if you succeed and then rolls to see if there's consequences too. Yeah. Um, but I don't. It's I, I was always a little convoluted to me, but I think there's a lot of really cool things you could do with it. Like, I would love way more mechanics for, like, when just totally unexpected things happen, right when you're in the middle of taking your action, uh, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and actually it doesn't even matter at all. You know, things like that happen. Yeah, yeah, there's there, there's so much... Uh... Oh, wow, sorry, you just talked about Fantasy Flight games. Uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, is amazing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I love Arkham Horror. I, I've, I've dabbled. I've dabbled. It's harder to play board games uh, online. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, did, we, did I play that one? I'm trying to think. Uh, in the Googling time. Yes, okay, yes, yes, that's the game. I'm familiar with you. Uh Hello there. Oh, yes, I know you, that giant board. I love a giant board sometimes. Um, but that's also the beauty of uh, tabletop games, or uh, role-playing games. You don't need a giant board. The giant board is in your imagination. But there is, yeah, resolution, because I think if you come through the traditional route, which is, you know, dungeons and or dragons, uh, it, it is very much about... At least since my I've touched it, it's about pass fail and a lot about winning, uh, you know, mm. and uh, about money, which right. I I'm kind of coming around to more. I think it is kind of funny, especially if you change genres. You know, when you're in like a a fantasy game, it's always about like how much gold you get for your quest, or or we really need gold so that we yeah. can buy gear, so we need to find quests. But then I think if you put it into other genres, it's really funny. You're right. Um, if you make it, if you put it into modern genres, then it's it's kind of uh, maybe too real. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest as a player. I don't know if I've actually respected uh, the amount of money I possess. Uh, like, it's just like uh, I think our play style has never been like, do you have enough money for this? It's like kind of a, like a binary state. Like, do I feel does does the person running the game feel like I have enough money for this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, there is, there's like conversion charts, you know, there's, there's, uh, copper, silver, and gold, and you have to convert them. And if you're worrying about, uh, uh, encumbrance, I think it factors into that as well. So you can't carry, uh, a hundred gold in copper because it's like a thousand pieces of copper or something ridiculous. I think that would be funny. I don't even know if that's 
that that would be really cool if you if if there was a game where it's like you really need money to do everything you know the galaxy or the the villages or whatever they're really run by money but however our uh our their inflation is so high the the currency right. is so <laughs> so heavy to hold like you have to have like like thousands and thousands of dollars on you to even make a dent so right. it's really now it's like managing your encumbrance of how much money you can even carry yeah it is like a a big a big prize is not um getting more money but it's getting a a larger bill it's like finally wheelbarrow yeah i i i turn my ten thousand coins into one singular bill oh thank goodness yeah <laughs> now i can just yeah you're like you're like trying to invent new economic systems. That that would be cool too. Yeah, there's and this is the the uh, uh, the dangerous part of tabletop design. You you just like I can just write that. It's just words on yeah. a page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, does it doesn't necessarily mean it'll turn out good? But there's that uh, there's there's less of that immediate block because we all presume generally that we it, you know you can write words on a page. Uh, whether it's typed, dictated, or uh, handwritten, it's easier than like you know, uh, video game design because you have to make code, and that's a real pain in the ass. I did get to a point though where, um, similar to what Adrian was saying um, earlier, I think when you're at the beginning, you know, you're doing jams, you're making hacks of whatever your favorite games are, you're putting them out there. You don't have to worry about any kind of art or design or or you know even playtesting and you know making everything all perfect and publishable but then after you have a bunch out there i had so many games on my page and i was like i want to do a bigger project right because i'm ready to i have enough experience to you know i want to put all the design work into it that that it deserves so that people pick it up and can enjoy it and then you you do need to start watching out for the thing that adrian was saying which was searching for that perfect version of your game especially since in games that's that's the worst thing you can do for like if it's you know a, a painting or other kinds of art that's another thing but for games especially you're never going to find that and playtesting is what's going to find that too so if you don't put as many eyes on it as possible you're never going to reach its actual state that you want it to be at because they're not going to play it yet you know they're not going to try it out and know okay we need to make this better by playing it you know yeah yeah like nobody is going to know uh, what is like you're you're never gonna know how other people are gonna react, especially for something that's so like uh, malleable and like audience dependent as a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. That is like how how people are gonna receive it. You can't tell if it's broken or not necessarily without someone playing it. Yeah. Thing. And like witnessing someone playing because they might break it immediately. You know. <laughs> what unexpectedly works honestly because when they play they're going to be like oh this was my experience and they're going to be like oh that was like 30 percent of what i wrote maybe i should play that up more if that's working really well you know right 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 you 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 never know what parts people are going to gravitate towards or like what parts like Mm. it's it's such a uh interesting space to work in um and i and i and i and i'm fascinated by it and it's like a, such a such a cool self-publishing space. I like it. I like to see uh, what people are coming up with, especially when especially when you see like emergences of like, uh, uh, I'll, you know, when you start seeing a lot of hacks for like, up oh, somebody made a new system that a lot of people like because you'll start to see a bunch of hacks for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the next big 
revolution to not revolution, but I think the next big um, generation is going to be more solo gaming too, because right. I think Iron Sworn really opened these big floodgates. Because I mean, there always has been, but I think when I saw Morkborg had this has this you know solo template for it that's uh, solitary defilement, and I was like. Oh, okay. I opened that up and I'm like, okay, cool. So like solo OSR, like how is that going to go? It's it's a hack of Ironsworn. It's very similar to Ironsworn. And I was right. like, wow, that is so interesting. Because like Ironsworn is basically, it's powered by the apocalypse. And like, this is like combining all these different, maybe, maybe I'm talking like a, you know, an outdated old... <laughs> <laughs> curmudgeon about like oh you can't you can't combine osr and and nsr and and fkr and but no it's just like interesting to see where they're all going and then everyone's definitely trying to find different ways of solo play for their favorite games now too so i think that's going to be really big there's going to be a lot more iron sworn hacks there's going to be a lot more maybe even like bigger publishers are going to have like more solo rules for their games and stuff too so yeah yeah, because it's a whole, like, you know, it, it's a whole space that I think you a lot of people wouldn't even, like, think about. They would think, like, oh, role-playing games are group activities. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, it's it feels like it's this wildly, like, untapped, uh, although it is also aggressively tapped um, at the same time. But, you know, it's it's a relatively, it's a new space, rather, I should say, for mm-hmm. people to explore in, in the in the relative to the age of tabletop role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And which I think it still is, you know, a, a group thing. Like, my games, honestly, I intend to be, you know, two, three, four players, but you just wouldn't need that one of them to be a GM, you yeah. know? Any time any kind of challenge comes or or consequence or just surprise comes, I, I could make it for my character. I mean, I know what my character's like you know story and, and character arc are i could i could come up with it and make some cool stuff but if i have a bunch of charts to roll on to help me that's even better you know yeah yeah it's like you know some degree of guided play is nice mm-hmm. yeah um but with that said uh, before we go to break i have to ask you, you had plenty of time to prepare for this important question uh mark which is uh do you have a favorite toho character Oh, I had never heard of this until you brought this up earlier, <laughs> but I looked up some of them. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, I would have no idea what you're talking about. But, um, Yuka Kazami. <laughs> thank you. you um, thank you for doing the, the immediate research. Phantasmagoria uh, of Flowerview looks cool. I don't know anything about this series. I saw one picture. She looks cool. Yeah, it's got a it's got a lot of great words, just a lot of good collections of words uh, strung together in it. It's just a lot of fun designs, honestly. I think that's part of the appeal of it, and the music is good. Uh, anyway, we're not. This isn't Toho class. Uh, one of maybe next, maybe I'll do that for the next pledge drive. I need to really d- dive in and run a Toho class, it, but I also need to become an expert as well. <laughs> which I am not. Andrew, will you invite me to Toho class? I don't know much about Toho. Yes, I will. I, I'm going to put put my flag, uh, my flag in the sand now. Uh, in eight months, I'm dedicated myself for the third, third, fourth Indie Apocalypse Plus Drive to uh, study up on, find some experts, and host uh, a Toho, a Toho 101. 
Every time someone says Toho, at first I think I picture Godzilla and think yes. that's what we're talking about. Well, but I know well, it's not. Correct. Technically, that is Toho, but it, it's like this. You know, you're getting it through my American tongue. Uh, it's because it's, it's it's Toho with U's after the O's. So I have to probably put a little spice on it that I'm not that I that I don't know how to put on it. Kind of like I'm very uh, bad at rolling R's in the same way. For like, it was uh, a sticking point. For, if, I was good at it. I was good at Spanish, but I just could not like. I was very bad at rolling R's. Uh, anyway, that's all I say. Thank you, Mark, for being here. Uh, we're gonna go on. Hey, my break. pleasure. Uh, and we'll be back in about twenty. Uh, no, we won't be back in twenty minutes. God, that'd be quite a hell of a break. We'll be back in like two minutes and forty nine seconds. Uh, goodbye. Welcome back to uh, Indie Apocalypse Radio. That was uh, Screaming Females with Soft Domination. Uh, we are back here with our third guest of the show. We're back on that three guest high that I started off with, which was irresponsible. Uh, but I've kind of fallen back into it again two weeks in a row. Uh, uh, her next guest, who you may know from issue 18 of Indie Apocalypse with Paint Boy. Uh, it's, uh, Shara Weiss. Shara, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, now, now I can't ask you the traditional Indie Apocalypse question because, uh, you know, Paint Boy being a, of a, an early commissioned game, actually, mm-hmm. uh, six, six, only six months in, but, uh, so the, the, the call, mm-hmm. the secondary question is, did you know what Indie Apocalypse was before I emailed you? Um, yeah, I'd seen it floating around Twitter. I had not yet, um, cause, cause definitely some of my friends had already been in it. Right. Um, and so I, I had seen it tweeted about, um, but I, I hadn't really like gone into it, but I, I think I already followed you. I think we already followed each other. I could okay. be wrong about that, but, but I, but, I, but then, then you emailed me about it. Yeah. I could never remember. Like you reached out to me now. That could have been like the thing because sometimes that is how it happens. Well, somebody will follow me like at the end of the month, and I'll be like, "Who's this person?" And they're like, "Oh, <laughs> this person looks cool." I need. <laughs> I also need a new game for three months from now. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that is. Yeah, like, no. Um, I was really happy to get to do that project. I felt like it was. Yeah, it was like a nice excuse to, um, do something like very quick. Yeah, you know. I've so like I, I've been making games since I was like 11 um, and when I was younger I did like a lot of quicker games you know you guys were talking about like developing a game just super you know like as fast as you can not right. really worrying much about will how will this even land with people you know um, and I think that where where I'm at now is that like I have to support myself with games yes. you know um, and and that's it, 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 it sucks it means that I'm often not working on the things that feel the most fulfilling or like able to really do my best work, you know, depending on like what project and like what kind of role I'm actually being put into within it, you know, like there's definitely a lot of being a cog in a machine, but it's also like, you know, like I, uh, like for, for a while I was trying to do game dev and as a non-money thing and like retail and stuff like that on the side. And like, 
that was actually the most burnout. Like that was worse than the worst crunch I've had yes. in terms of burnout, you yes. know, cause like the shit you deal with in retail. Oh man. You're describing the first three years of Indiepocalypse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was me. Yeah, that, but, uh, uh, absolutely. When, when you see me at my worst online, just the, the, the you have to remember that that Andrew of that time was working in retail during, during COVID. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! You were working retail during COVID. I can't even in a have. in a supermarket. Jesus Christ! So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's serious. I did not realize that that's what was going on for yeah. you. Um, that, that, yeah, that's the the house that built Indiepocalypse is supermarket money. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, but so like because I realized that that makes me like you know that that, that that's just it it just wasn't sustainable doing right. that you know um at, at this point like i do i do contract work right and so like i was really excited to get that um you know that little commission to just like make something really small and and like um yeah i don't know i felt like it was nice to kind of yeah do do something where like the prompt was to do something very experimental yeah. whereas a lot of the time i think because i'm trying to make money with the games it's almost like i'm trying to show them something that doesn't seem experimental and then actually it's experimental but like yeah, but, the people yeah. who are gatekeeping shit don't know right right just, <laughs> you know, as long as like, it looks enough like, like a video game yeah exactly like it has to it has to pass all these sor sorts of like checks of like what they think is acceptable and then like within that i can like stash away something that i think is really meaningful and special but it's like you're doing double work because you're kind of having to like almost hide everything you know right. in order from, from from gatekeepers basically in order yeah, to get yeah. money yeah you're trying to just trojan horse interesting design into a video game right exactly yeah and like um yeah go ahead no no i was gonna say you're also trying to make sure the horse is very small so they don't even see it which is yeah a whole other problem yeah definitely uh but uh, so so we 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 mentioned we talked about it. Uh, tell me a little bit about what if I'm unfamiliar what is Paint Boy. So Paint Boy is um, it's a painting game. That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. Uh, so the concept was to have. So first of all, I was thinking about tools and the way that tools um, are what kind of creates artistic style in a lot of yeah. ways. Right, the limitations of a tool immediately create a certain style. And I wanted to create basically a 2D art tool that was more about playing it than about um, having really nice, like, you know, like having like the full capabilities of like an image editing program, you right. know? Yeah. So like, right, right. Cause like one, one thing I was thinking about, well, so, 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 so how the game works is you have a, you, you have a little character who walks on top of the, the, uh, the canvas and then they can swing their paintbrush and it will like um, splatter paint outwards. And the paintbrushes all use this thing where it's like a it's like a particle effect combined with a feedback loop. So they, they have some kind of unique looking like brush effects that have like a degree of randomization and stuff. And I feel pretty proud of how those look. But um, yeah, yeah, the idea is that you control it kind of like a twin stick shooter. Yeah. And every little piece of interface is very like you know, there's like all these like little springs on everything, you know, everything's like moving and kind of just moving in kind of a fun way where it's like it, you know, um, I grew up using kid picks a lot. Yeah. And I really loved that. And then I was also inspired a lot by electric zine maker, you know, where I feel like, uh, Natalie really like, um, 
put a lot of like <clears throat> I don't know, like juice, honestly, or uh, honestly, yeah. I'm I'm moving away from the word juice because I feel like that's been played out, but like the concept of like flavor, right? Like right, having right. things have a particular game feel that feels really unique. The idea of having game feel in a in a in a painting application. Right. It has right. a lot of yeah, it definitely has like a, a certain like vibe to it and it feels like you're interacting with something that's not like like it's it, it's weird for an image editor or like a, a like an art tool to bring its own personality to you, but it is. Yeah, totally. And like I think the other thing that I was thinking about around it is how like I think that uh art software has kind of um how should I put it? It's like it's like uh, whether this is, you know, I, I also do music um, and whether it's music or image editing or game development, it's like there used to be kind of more of a diversity of different options that had different kinds of uh, pros and cons. Right. And over time, things have gravitated towards sort of like the universal option, right? So like something like Photoshop, maybe for like image editing, you know, has like every tool you could think of or something like Ableton for, for producing like supports every feature you would want. And so the idea is that the, the software doesn't really come with limitations. And so it's, it's universal and can create anything, but like, I actually think it's, it's, it's kind of cooler to work with it or like, I don't know, you know, depending on what you're trying yeah. to do, obviously like, I like the idea of making art within constraints and having, you know, like, like throughout, like, like all, all, all of like um, physical arts are this way. The, the yeah. whole style comes out of how it's actually made, you right. know? And like, I think that when you see these like universal kind of programs that are meant to be able to, you know, produce anything. And then like, I think that sort of thinking is sort of how we've arrived at like this current moment with like, honestly, I, I don't want to get into AI art, but like, right. you know, with like that kind of, that kind of mentality around uh, that, that you see, especially in like kind of more techie circles around like what, what even is art? What is good art? That it's like just sort of like a thing that can be conjured. That's very divorced from like right, right, cause how it's produced being, being deeply interwoven with what you're creating. If that right. makes sense. Because I imagine it comes from this this similar train of thought of like, oh, well, Photoshop is already doing all this line straightening, all these, uh, you know, a million little tools already existing. Uh, yeah, like the, just the idea that you can produce like any, you know, anyone can produce anything from anywhere. Yeah. And that like specificity doesn't matter really because you have the, the idea of having a world based around universals, having a universal program that everyone in the world makes audio with using the same tools. Like that's yeah. actually like, I don't really fuck with that vision. Right. Right. Like I, yeah. I like having kind of like, uh, you know, I, I would want a universal for something. It's like, if I need to do a specific thing, that's why it's a universal, but it wouldn't be like, right. Uh, right. My There's main certain go-to. Where, it, where it's good. Like when you need to do something very specific, it's good to, have a way to do it you know but yeah i think that when we're talking about like you know like 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 there's a utility thing but i think that you know and, and actually honestly i think it also connects to this idea of like art production being like a you like it's it's uh thinking thinking of it as utility and like pro, like li literally production like like efficiency yeah as you know like that that 
it's it's necessary in a lot of ways to survive you know like again like i'm I'm speaking like you know i'm doing like contracting stuff like all the, the efficiency shit it's necessary to survive yeah. in this thing but it it sucks you know right. you know like it, it it's not like it's not like a way to like it has no connection to producing good art it's about um it's, it's about like maximizing the output of labor basically you know like right. the output of it's based right. on the amount of labor so 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 like it's it's like it's like in a totally different like conversation even than like the qualities of the art i think yeah because it's like you know uh, you it's something you can so you know you can go to your application drop down you can put photoshop expert you know illustrator expert level you know they just it, it's treated as kind of like a in the same way as like a universal skill set like it's just kind of like a thing you have for a job of like oh yes I guess I'm not not I'm a, a skilled graphic designer I am expert level Photoshop <laughs> user you know uh, right uh, right yeah totally yeah and anyway so that was just some of the stuff that I was thinking about when um I like that I had been thinking about when you contacted me about uh, about the commissions so. I felt like, um, yeah, it was really exciting to just be able to to do that, and um, yeah, I don't know, like I, <laughs> I, I, I recently finally like released the game separate from Indie Apocalypse. Yes, just, yes, yeah, just very, very recently did this. Um, I, I had at one point included it in another bundle, but for the most part, it was only through Indie Apocalypse for like, I don't know, I think it was like like a year and a half or so. Um, right. yeah. But like. Yeah, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that more people will make art with it and just show me what they make. You yeah. know, like um, I think that to some extent, um, maybe it's almost too limiting and isn't letting people make art that they want to post. Um, but I, <laughs> you know, like that. I think that that's my one thing is that like if I if I were to keep working on it, I would probably just like probably try to give the player just slightly more control <laughs> you know right, um, right. just like a, maybe a, like a, a couple yeah. you know, like touch-up tools because if because you can't lose i think the core yeah. of what it is because it is it is yeah. fun to run around as a little guy uh yeah paint around mostly i would just want to add like a bunch more brushes and having ones that are maybe like a little bit more like similar in style to each other but different so yeah. that like you know there's like two brushes that are similar enough that you would use them in the same image but like different enough that you can use them in different ways anyways you know there's always more to add right like right. i i definitely built that game in a way that i could just i could have just keep kept adding brushes forever um so it was probably <laughs> yeah. good that i had like a a, a hard limit because like you know, as much as, yeah, again, like, we've been talking about, like, I know a lot of the guests you have on the store are very much, like, of the, like, I release games real quick, and, like, unfortunately, I'm not that. I value no, that, that a lot, <laughs> and I've had periods of my life where I've done more of that, but, like, I unfortunately can definitely get uh, get bogged down in the, like, keep keep adding stuff. Right, right. Um, You know, because I feel like when I put out a game and like like i, I mean i, I not, not just adding stuff sorry that, that i think that that makes it sound like i'm doing the triple a thing and just literally adding shit no, to add no, shit yeah, you yeah. know yeah but like um yeah it's like when, when i do release something i'm always really proud of it but i think that like um yeah it's just something it's like a constant it's a constant balance 
honestly for right. for me because like you know it's like it's like I, I have a lot of love for these games and like i want to keep giving them love um you yeah. know and and you're, you're trying not... to disentangle that from being like i want this game to be marketable i want this game to be sellable i mean like if, if that's what i'm doing if it is a game that i want to be marketable and sellable then i guess that's what i have to think about but like for paint boy that it's just really like i want this to just be the best it can be you yeah. know and i think um, there's a there's a difference between like i think the kind of adding content of like the content treadmill kind of style and like you know seeing as an artist yeah. that there's more space to still explore here that you want to Totally. And I, I mean, you know, and I, I say this like, you know, it's like, again, like I'm, you know, I contract on, on games and I have had times where I'm basically feeling like I'm kind of being put on a content treadmill. And yeah. like the, the thing that I have to do is like figure out how to make that content meaningful, even if I'm not always given enough tools. And the more I have that experience, the more I realize that that's why so much of contemporary media is the way it is where you'll like it's like someone who is really passionate will be giving everything they have to a tiny little sliver of it in like a huge disorganized uh kind of uh onslaught of of like shit you know you'll you'll have it's it's like someone puts so much love into this character design but like the whole big picture is fucked but right, like right. you know like <laughs> And, and and you start to realize that, like, that's also, you know, it, it tends to be, like, the, you know, like, more marginalized developers tend to be in the less prominent roles, so they have to sneak their things in in little places, right? And so yeah, you'll, so like, you get... <laughs> you, you'll, you'll find that stuff. But that, that's why it's, like, you play a game and it's, like, oh, there's all these cool queer characters in this game. But, like, the game itself is... isn't that. You know, right. but it's like because it's... someone was like, I really want my queer character and that's the scope of what I'm allowed to do. And I'm yeah. so passionate. I want to have this character in. But like there isn't actually like a framework to really receive and support that and make that work shine. It's just kind of like thrown into this big pot and like, you know, kind of hope for the best. You right, know, I right. really think kind of how a lot of artists produced right now. That is right. It is like you finding finding your tiny spot within a large machine. Uh, we can be like, I like look at my gear, and <laughs> it's a very cool gear in this yeah. large machine. But yeah, yeah exactly. Right, it, it's just like th that character, that queer character is one is one like uh, one 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 thousandth of a moment of a side quest in a game that has exactly. eighty million side quests, and they're they're blinking, you miss an ambient dialogue, but they exist. Yeah, no, totally. Like it's it's challenging when I'm like I, I like. Working on working on larger games and sometimes um, it's like, yeah, it's like I'm gonna make this side quest really good. Yeah. But like, I'm relying on you guys to like make this all fit together, you know? Because right now, like, you know, like I'm doing everything I can to make it all, you know, tied in with with everything. But like, this is the side quest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, like, um, I don't know. It, anyway, and I I think that. Um, you know, like, I, I think that a lot of that just has to do with, again, just, like, how, how games are produced right now. And similarly, like, I think there's a similar issue in, in film yeah. right now. You know, like, like huge productions that are, like, um, yeah. They're, <laughs> like, they're just, like, like they're, they're especially in as, this way where, yeah. they're, they're increasingly franchise-driven, uh, too. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you have this big franchise driven thing because that's how you can get the money in your pocket. And then everyone is trying to do something that they will be proud of within that. But like you're you're trying it's like it's like you're trying to work within this really shitty mold and like you're trying to build something beautiful in it, but you can't really go outside of certain lines and stuff. And it's like um, and then and then at the same time, like your, your role is very small and oftentimes you're assigned a bit too much bullshit to do in order to right. you know like it's like it's like at the end of the day it is also at times like a job and like i mean it, it is a job and at times you have to um like accept that it's like i'm going to do the level of quality of work that they're letting me yeah right you right. know and it's... like if if they say i have to rush it i have to rush it and that sucks but like that's what you get you know like right. you, that's that's not on me that's on like a producer or yeah, on like yeah. you know whoever and it's it's yeah. a it's a difficulty of like working in like the arts, you know, as a job. Uh where you're yeah. like, I like this, I like my output. It's not like, oh, I don't care what spreadsheets look like. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make them <laughs> and I'm gonna clock out at yeah. four and I'm gonna call it. Yeah, a day. that's what it'll So it's, a, it's yeah. to be like, Oh, you wanna put as much as you possibly like you, you can see like the the best possible version of this side quest in your brain. And you want to, even if it's like, even if you're like the 80th uh, entry on a credits of 10,000, you're like, I, in this moment, want to make this the best that I can. Yeah. And, and Yeah, totally. And people definitely see that too, which is like, and that is you know, people are like, oh, did you see such and such moment or like it, it connects right. to it. And the game yeah, industry is very totally. bad at recognizing people also. Yeah, I think, um, right, like, that—that that is the, the thing that kind of, like, makes it worth it at times, is just, like, yeah, when people, yeah, it's just, like, like yeah, people, like, these games are so big, and it's easy to forget that the player experiences it at such a moment-to-moment level, you know, and, like, one NPC in a game with 300 NPCs, like, one NPC could yeah. be an important experience for that player, like that they could have a life changing experience with this one NPC interaction if it's that good. If it's like one, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like everything is so, is, is they're, they're, they're experiencing everything in real time. Like every room is experienced one at a time, you know, like they'll look at like specific objects around a single room and even no matter how big the game is, you know? And yeah. so like, I think that like, that's part of what makes, like sometimes it's when you're working on something so so big you have to you have to be really zoomed out and you kind of lose track of that and i think that one of the things that makes it feel like oh actually that was worth it is when i finally get to see someone i don't know play the game yeah and and they're able to experience it room by room and see how i put love into each room and like actually appreciate that and it's like oh cool like i'm not just like <laughs> squeezing shit in here yeah. like i put thought into how, what should be in this room and what it will tell and how it'll pace out and and they actually receive that you know yeah. and like that um that to me is what that like that's that's one of the best feelings around yeah um because yeah, like I th- working on and i should also clarify like i'm not working on triple a projects right. i'm working on games that are like in that weird scope of indie where it's like only a few full-time people yes. and like a lot of contractors who will pop in for like short periods of time. Indie, uh, I, I, I sometimes call it budgeted indie, you know, uh, indie where you can afford yeah. to hire people. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. And it's, um, it's, 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 it's very different, you know? Yeah. And I think that, um, like, 
you know, uh, <laughs> it uh, it's it's cool because it pays me money. Yes, I, <laughs> I love things that pay me money. <laughs> it, it's a, money uh, is uh, uh, is a great thing to have. I wish it wasn't, but it's yeah. a great thing to have. No, I mean, like I love like being able to pay rent. Yes, that is uh, nice. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, Shara, I love eating. <laughs> yeah, it's no, great... totally. I don't know. Yeah, what are you a... saying? No, no, that no. Um, uh, actually, actually, wow, actually, what I'm saying is, I have one last question for you. Uh, for sure, you had time to prepare. Uh, Toho, <laughs> tell me about it. Do you have a favorite character? Have you developed one of these last well, few minutes? Like I said before, I don't really know Toho that well. Yeah. I think the characters are cute, though. Like, I basically, um, I, I constantly like I can recognize the Toho people, but yeah. like. I don't know their names, basically. What's your favorite and looking I, one? Um, I like. I feel like there's more than one maid. Is okay. the thing. <laughs> like? There's... there's definitely a maid in my mind, but I'm like, I don't think that's actually just one character. I think there's a few maids, but yes. like, you know, we're just gonna say I like the maids. I'm here for the maid girls. Like, that's that yeah, that's my thing. Scarlet so, Devil <laughs> Mansion coming in hot this this session because I'm I'm assuming you're talking about Sakuya who is uh, she has knives she can stop time she lives in the Scarlet Devil Mansion she's a maid I think Marissa uh-huh. has a maid vibe to her sometimes uh, is there no one else who has the little maid bonnet there there may be more maids I like I said I'm also not a Toho expert oh maybe. well you're Andrew you're gonna yeah. have to become a Toho expert before. I, uh, we have Toho class. Before Toho <laughs> One Hundred One, yes. Uh, yeah, before Toho One Hundred One, right? Because like I need to, I need to learn. Yeah. So you, you know, I've got yeah. to make sure everybody listen. If you're if you're within the indie game space, you gotta know what Toho is. You know, people just <laughs> like they just know what it is. It's it's a common language. Uh, so true. Uh, yeah. I, um. Okay. Wait. I have a question about about your toho interest um yeah have you which, which toho games have you played if any i've played uh, uh i've played the first one i've played highly responsive the prayers i've played the one with the with the with the moon where the, like the people from the moon are coming down and i've played a couple others i don't remember uh all their names and i've played the it was called highly responsive to prayers that's the first one i love that title that's such a good name <laughs> I, uh mark had mentioned one of the other titles that the character is from they're all from like really good oh here's the i'm on sakia right now but she's an uncon- unconnected marketeers is uh, uh i feel like someone's gonna take away my tea girl pass for uh yes. not knowing shit about noho <laughs> i think yes yeah you were in the within the indie space you're in the hyper specific indie space where yeah uh, yeah i i i'm in the i'm in the cat girl space yes you're like when you go toho you you tug in your car you go "Uh uh-oh uh yeah i love toho yeah 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 i i've never heard of toho i'm like (laughs) yeah take off my cat ears right well that's the secret because you say will you tell me about toho that's yeah a wily beast and weakest creature toho's got a really great names but anyway uh i've also played the uh uh, the uh, something B. I forget their name. They also made a Lodos game. They made a Metroidvania-ish. Oh yeah, uh, it's Metroidvania-ish because it's more like a level-based game, really. But it's fun to play. Uh, nice. It's Metroid adjacent, and those are even I would say symphony-like because they are 
very like uh, that style that came from Symphony of the Night. Uh, oh, I love I love the symph- Symphony of the Light. Yeah, I for, for for Metroidvania light kind of games. They <laughs> the Lodos game. Uh, she swings her swords exactly like they swing in those those like the Symphony Circle of the Moon, all those types of games. Yeah, it's the exact same like heavy swing. If you if you're folks, if you know what I'm talking about how they swing swords, they you're like I love the feel of this, love the feel of how they backstep and stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. and I played the cafe game a little. A, a little there's a cafe like, game. Yeah, there's, there's like a, a cafe simulator. It's like a diner dash like sort of thing, but Toho. It's a really good, yeah. It's a good way to. Uh, it's something Isakaya. <laughs> okay. I think I'm, uh, I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find this and. Yeah. I'm going to fall behind on all my work. <laughs> I I think a friend of the show, uh, Lily Valine, I think I had uh, poisoned her into playing uh, Toho Misia's Izakaya when, after she was on the show uh, last week or a week ago. Cause I saw uh, her posting about playing this game after I'd mentioned it. Uh, it's fun. Wow. It's 40% off. We're, we're plugging it here for some. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, okay. Folks for, for three sixty on steam. It's good. Uh, yeah <laughs> it's good art if, and it's a good way to introduce like if you're like i want to take a crash course in toho and learn all these characters they all come to your little nice. izakaya uh-huh uh, okay wait andrew before before you go because yes. i feel bad that the only game that we plugged is a toho game um yeah. are there any like smaller games that you've played recently that really caught you um Jesse, here's the weird thing, because I, I I I mostly play smaller games in relation to Indie Apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you want you maybe hype up one that that's going to be in a future oh, issue yes, or something. I'm yeah. Say, there's something I definitely want to say. Uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, go ahead. On Friday, I don't know if it'll actually go live on Friday, but on Friday when the new one comes out, um, that means that uh, Lentilians, I'm hungry, I'm healthy, I'm human. Uh, will be freed from exclusivity and folks uh, it rules <laughs> uh, Ooh, uh, tell it. me about that game I haven't heard about it <sighs> okay so it's like it's like a survival game um, is it top down no it's like a side scrolling like sort of survival game but you put food like you combine things it's like a survival builder sort of thing kind of but you run around also it's a platformer it's hard to, i don't know how to describe it fully right right i feel like one thing about like weird games is usually if you try to describe them in like two sentences they sound just like kind of generic they do yes like, right like the execution that makes it like yeah. you know oftentimes i think like today an experimental game is often more about executing something in an experimental way than having some kind of like you know, elevator pitch, high concept, unique game mechanic. Yeah, like you it's, know, it's it's hard to describe like how it feels really good to run around in that game and jump around and like mm-hmm. bounce and bump into like it's got a great feel to it. Uh, nice. Uh, if you've played, um, it's it's a Falcom game. It's an early Falcom game, like Dragon Ooh, Family. Uh, Which one? I think it's something Dragon Fa- <sighs> Dragon Slayer mm-hmm. Four: The Drassel Family. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah like yeah. you know, when you fall down that game, you have a cute little thing, fall animation when you bump up and everything. 
Mm-hmm. It has that. It has that very similar animation to it. Uh, when oh you, my gosh! When you fly and you crash. If, it, if it's at all, if it's at all inspired by like the old side-scrolling Falcom RPGs, like I'm immediately sold. It is. It is of that kind of like because, uh, yes, AKA yeah. Legacy of the Wizard. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I've I've been like needing needing like some sorcerian just like hooked direct like like some some modern game that has like a yeah. you know like i i i i need like less less direct metroid pulling more sorcerian pulling yes that's my opinion uh, uh, i yeah. i'm very close to like i am currently knee deep into being like what if i just played all chronologically just played all the fromsoft games uh, Ooh. Uh, I've played almost all of them and they are, I think it's worth it. And it's really cool to see the progression and how concepts in the very first Kingsfield, um, they're like show up in much later games, you know, like, like the the ending of dark souls two, for example, is like deeply connected to the ending of the first Kingsfield. Yeah. Kings and like dark souls. Like, I mean, Kingsfield JP. I mean, yeah, it feels so I see. I, I felt I fell for like a dumb American. I played Kingsfield two first. Cause I was like, Oh wait, uh, it, it's, it's better. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm currently playing Kingsfield two us Kingsfield three JP, but, uh, oh, oh, oh. it, how oh, it rules. It's like, yeah. Um, anyway, Kings, if you like dark souls, it's basically what if I took armored core and combined it with Kingsfield and that's dark souls. Uh, cause yeah. it's like, I can build my guy all my, all the ways I want. But then also, <laughs> there's weird people who are doomed and laughing, uh, which exists. Anyway, we're we're gonna go on break, and then we'll come back, and we'll probably talk more about from stuff because it's on my brain now. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, thank you for being, thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're gonna go on. There's my little foobar. How are you doing? We're gonna go on break, and we'll be right back in like two minutes and thirty eight seconds. Uh, goodbye. Oh, welcome back to Apocalypse of Radio. That was Captain McFadden and Manipool with Do Not Access. Uh, we're back with the whole gang. This is a full gang crew. This is everyone here. Oh. We're all hanging out. Hello, everyone. Hey. We're all here. What's up? Uh, we're, t- we're talking about, like, man. So, bad video games. I think this works trans. This, this goes perfectly into multiple conversations. So, I was talking about Kingsfield, and, like, that game is a first person. Uh, action game rpg but it doesn't but you don't use the analog stick it's all on like all the camera controls are like they used to be because there were no analog sticks on the shoulders and i'm like theoretically you could change that uh in modern consoles to just be uh modern quote-unquote controls but like yeah, I, I hate that 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 impulse you know to yeah. make everything controlled the normal way honestly mm-hmm. like for Has me right now, the recent Pikmin I... games, because oh, I have made... because basically they made the new Pikmin on the Switch, Pikmin One and Two. They made it control like modern games. So like uh, you used to uh, be able to just move your Pikmin around with the C stick. Uh, yeah. Now you need to hold a button to do that because the right oh, analog stick that. is its normal function that is to look around. <laughs> right, and it's really annoying. Yeah. yeah, no, I hate that. Like I, I, um, I feel like. When I play a game that controls wrong, 
it like immediately grabs me if yeah. I'm being honest, right, like, right. because my brain actually has to like remap. Some, like I, I've played too many games, you know, like yeah. if, if I'm playing another game that controls exactly the same and has exactly the same mechanics, like I already have all those mappings, like all that wiring already in my brain. And I'm just kind of like doing a familiar routine, you know? Um, yeah. And like, that 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 can that can be good if you're trying to maybe as a designer you're trying to use these associations people already have but at least for me when i see a game that controls wrong like where things handle in ways that are like clearly not conventional like that does so much more for me yeah and yeah. i and uh you know an hour in i was fully adapted to it you know <laughs> uh yeah I, I maybe i'm a pro gamer i don't know <laughs> but no right it's like you get you, you get used to it yeah. and like you but but like oftentimes it comes with some degree of constraints like with kingsfield it's like you have a limited turning and turning radius you know yeah. you can't quickly turn around or like um you, there's like certain things that are hard to do that would be kind of trivial with modern controls and like i don't think it would really be that fun honestly yeah. like i like i i think yeah the co the whole combat system would need to be reworked to have other sources of like of of uh of what's it friction you know right because right. like it works recently though. uh oh, sorry i played one recently called fit for a king which is amazing because each letter of the keyboard has a different function like it, it's oh my gosh anything <laughs> Like yeah, that is. Marry, that. You can jail people. It's great. <laughs> uh, 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 what is it? You know, oh, it's is this is it? I can't see. It's one of those things I can't tell if it's new or old, but it's new. It's all quite old. Like okay, it's it been, is old. It's, okay. It was like a f two two years ago. Okay, so that's not that old. It just uh, looks old. Uh, yeah, IGF twenty twenty. Yeah, so it is. Uh, and that is you know. I love that. Play old stuff. games back before they quote unquote figured it out because <laughs> you'll realize <laughs> that we have not in fact figured it out at all. And yeah. uh, there there was like but I don't know, just adapting old controls. At least at least give people a choice, you know, like have the modern way uh, as an option and have the old way as an option. Like at least, at least do something this way anyone can like it. But I really like I mean I really hate like old games being remade for a modern audience, but while preventing you from playing it the old way. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, one thing with say. the like providing a modern control option thing that's tricky is that typically, like, you end up having to take it. You have to you have to use all the constraints of both control schemes. If that makes sense. Like, I did a um, I did like a tank controls uh, survival horror game with a bunch of friends and. Um, a few years ago called the devil and yeah uh w for a little while we were trying to pitch to publishers basically an extended version of the game and one, one of the main like things that was brought up is like the need to have uh camera relative controls you know yeah. but one thing about the game is we built it all around having these like very zoomed out shots and very zoomed in shots and we were like really fully utilizing the the the, the tank hey. controls, the fact that we could cut angles really abruptly and, like, do all these things that you can only do with player-relative controls. And so, like, in this meeting, I was trying to explain to this producer that, like, if we include, like, if, if, if we include modern controls, we're also going to have to make the camera angles 
work well with modern controls or yeah. the game is going to be a shitty experience for the people who use them. Right. You know, and, and so as, and so that would actually limit what we could do with the tank control, you know, like, and so that's why I feel like a lot of gamers will bring up like, Oh, why not just have an option for everything? And it's like, sometimes it like, you know, <laughs> I mean, for a lot of things, it's cool to have an option. It, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so for options when you yeah. can, but like, it's like if this is something where like the majority of players are going to use modern controls then like the game has to also still be good with modern controls and now that's yeah. like a whole can of worms you know i imagine that the fixed camera angle thing would be complicated like you need to design areas the player is not supposed to see in tank controls or something yeah yeah okay, i can see a bunch of problems <laughs> Because I loved uh, Resident Evil 2 so much, and then when they remade it, I, I guess I just kind of assumed that that wasn't something that they would change, which, silly me, but um, <laughs> I was so excited to be like, oh, let's go back to that, um, you know, really odd system of I'm trying to work my legs at the same time while shooting, and it's impossible, but it, that's what makes it twice as scary. Like, I love that, but they, no, of course, they just changed oh, they it to every it. other, you know, third-person shooter or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, right. uh, I could... still love that game, though. I could go. Yeah, no, I mean, like, games can still be good if they, you know, do kind of bland design things. But yeah. I think that it's more that, like, there's, like, this almost, like, a imaginary, like, platonic ideal that a lot of game designers or gamers or I don't know who, just culturally, it seems like, it seems like there's all these things that are, like, considered, like, this is, this is the ideal and you right. shouldn't really deviate from it you know <laughs> and i think that's really detrimental it's where it's where i get confused whenever there there is people arguing about you know uh, pikmin's time limit and you know the about zelda's durability but whenever i see these things i'm like uh, they're neither good nor bad <laughs> they're simply choices you make <laughs> in a game when designing it like i sometimes right. I, some, I love the weapon durability in uh, breath of the wild because it's part of Me the too. game it's yeah it's, it's fun to pick shit up and just throw it away but when, some games you play games and there's too much crap everywhere yeah. i hate when you're you have a full inventory the entire game i like that the game is like no you gotta use something else i'm like cool yeah. i'll use all this old stuff i've had since the beginning of the game yeah right the, the idea that items are a limited use resource is not bad it's just part of the game's internal like economy like the item economy and it's yeah. it's like it's weird to me the idea that yeah people people have like very like hard like oh no no weapon durability and it's like well you you think that you hate that because you've seen it done badly in yeah. in like a bunch of games that yeah like it, it has been done badly so many times like right, i won't it's just a chore <laughs> yeah but like um then it's kind of like okay like because because that idea was executed badly elsewhere like now it's just like off limits right. you know i think it's like really like just i don't know i i, I really feel like there's like an increasing narrowing of like what is acceptable game design honestly yeah. um at least in a lot of circles and i really think that you know you were talking about using the word like the underground scene as opposed to the indie scene but i think that like of all this of all the game developers the underground scene needs to be the ones pushing back on that hardest i yeah. think yeah because yeah. That, that that is where like you know the the new thing that people will swear by that is the truth comes from uh you know underground developers being actually what if I did it this way and then eventually uh, someone's version of that catches on and then people go oh this is how games have to be now right <laughs> so right right no, totally. yeah I, at a certain point someone like rips off the rips off the creative idea like yeah. makes a bunch of 
big money off of it and then suddenly it becomes played out and it's honestly it's kind of crazy how fast that's like I, i've seen that I've, I've now been around games enough to have like seen that happen a couple yeah. times and it's kind of like just how quickly the turnaround goes from like something you know like someone creating something that felt so fresh to like everyone is trying to capitalize on this now yeah trend like, chasing yes yeah. and even things that didn't feel fresh but uh we're still and that's not even like fresh in like a and a, a positive connotation all the time. There's some yeah. some design trends that I don't like uh, that were new newer ideas, a uh, 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 slot machine equivalents, uh, perhaps. Yeah, like loot boxes. That were uh, uh, I, let's just say if I took my friend Simon Belmont and I turned him into a slot machine and called it a video. Oh yeah, game, yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> It's, yeah, what Konami's doing. Yeah, it's weird to it's weird to see how many people uh, be like, yes, this is a game. It's, I mean, it's that thing of no. getting in as soon as you can to make money. It's right? literally a money making machine. It's not a game. Right, right. Uh, I was talking about Vampire Survivors. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. So I think I it's wanted... fun. Oh, sorry. What was that? No, I think it, Vampire Survivors is fun. Yeah, obviously it's oh, yeah. Yeah. to like uh, optimize there are, there are uh, yeah. stuff, but like it. yeah, no, totally. I think right, Vampire Survivors is a great example of this, where it's like it's a cool project made by like, in my understanding, pretty like regular people. Like not you know, it's 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 not a corporate thing, but it was yeah. a big hit. But then like a thousand corporate clones came out. Within, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and now it's like a genre, but like only because a bunch of people are trying to like get the same, like a bunch of people see, oh, there's a money bag here, right? Right. You know, um, like, and I hate, I hate that. Like, I feel like that's such a frustrating approach to genre, and that's what we see so much from like the way things are produced, where like yeah. genre actually gives you a lot to work with if you approach it well. But the idea of like we're gonna like genre equals audience like that, you know, and like right, like pick it, picking a genre that's just gonna get you, um, that's like you know shown to sell right now. Right, right, and and it kind of like you know if you want to talk about uh, a certain uh, other coziness, you know, if you will, it kind of forces people Thank into uh, genre sometimes where they don't even belong uh, because yeah. that is totally. like marketable it's like don't watch out don't yeah. put pastels in your games yeah no trust like, me i i, I tried I like to pastels. pick a game that had no discernible genre and it's it like it's 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 not really possible i tried, um, the, I tried the reverse of it i tried, I tried making oh. a game once uh -huh. with every single genre it was amazing oh <laughs> It was bad. <laughs> don't, don't, don't play it. But like it, it I'm has basically. I took all the genres on the game jolt and made one game with all the genres. Yeah, it's, remember the games. And, and the uh, and it's just like a, it's a. Right, it feels like the because you can rapidly iterate these sort of things. Maybe that it feels like the 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 trend to stagnation feels very fast sometimes. Yeah. And, and even in things that like you know, I make fun of what's it called, uh, just because I don't like it. I can I imagine there, but that doesn't mean there's like. I bet if you gave me you know every third the third, fifth, sixth derivatives of Vampire Survivors, I I wouldn't even play them at all. I'd be playing for like ten minutes. I haven't played like, any of them. 
and be like, oh, uh, uh, there was an idea in this original game that is like just like been extracted. Uh, I think it is the software side of game development, you know, where right. Where, where someone like there is like a, a an intent to often like the original games, um, but like the, the the core mechanics get ripped out, and those are what get uh, replicated all over the place. There's core mechanics with a yeah. different coat of paint on top of them, and that's how you end up with things that just kind of feel, I don't know, empty. So I wanted to ask the other two guests. If there are any like kind of smaller or more underground games that that have really grabbed them recently, you know, or like, uh, yeah, like projects, either either things that are maybe not out that you've that you've been lucky enough to be able to play, or things that are available like on itch or whatever. Um, yeah, if those are any games that y'all have been really into lately. I don't even think I play any games lately. Uh, I'm really trying to think. Maybe, maybe Mark will find out before I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've mostly been working. I mostly had my head down, honestly, recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me see. Let me let me take a look at some of my stuff. I think that. Um, it doesn't like need I to be saying, super recent, but maybe something that you know, like if there if there are any like smaller games, even in the last like year or two, right. like an old standby, like, even you know, oh, where where it, like people think you can go out and play them, you know. I just looked at my my Steam and like uh, uh, like oh, what's his name Edward? Wait, no, what's I forgot who made Inscription? I need to Google this, but basically anything. Wait, let me find. Uh, so who made this? <laughs> Daniel Mullins. Okay, so basically there was a tiny uh, game jam game which Daniel Mullins made. He's the who made an inscription. Uh, it's called Baba. Uh, it takes maybe fifteen minutes to play, and you should really play it. Baba. Uh, perfect. Oh, and if, if another one, if you want, if I want to, if I want to cast my heart back and uh, don't talk about. Uh... And don't if I if I get off brand and don't talk about indie pockles for a moment, my uh, uh, my standby perhaps of what's a, what's a weird what's a nice little indie game you love. It's I don't know if it's playable anymore actually, um, but if it's playable, I really love Pit of a Thousand Snakes. I think about it a lot, and I played it. I played <laughs> nice. it, that's definitely a throwback. Yeah, I played it a lot when it came out. I was. See, folks, I've been in this game for a long time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember. You're, I, you're you're doing like special runs, I, you know, challenge runs of of houses, yeah. thousand states. I, I remember. <laughs> I remember one of. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, famously on the East Coast. Uh, I went to an early PAX, and I remember uh, talking about Alexander Bruce and talking about how. Uh, Anti, I was playing Anti-Chamber back when it was called Hazard, A Journey Through Life. Hazard Life? Yeah. Anti-Chamber. Uh, and that was... Sorry. And it yeah. was like... Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm not new on the scene. I Sometimes I wonder if people think, like, oh, look, what's this new guy who's, like, new to indie mm-hmm. games? Like, folks, I've been playing... I was messing around with <laughs> Tigsaurus and all that shit. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. 
just because well, for I'm me this is, a, this, is a, this is a terrible answer but yeah. um in terms of if we're if we're shouting out stuff i want to yeah. remind everybody about the choose your own adventure books from like the 80s and 90s <laughs> i collect them and they're so hard to find sometimes so i would say check your libraries they might have like one or two but um i love the old even the old like goosebumps ones they used to do you can't even find either but the but goosebumps ones are really good yeah, like, it's uh, like into the jaws of doom. Yes, have, like some alien <laughs> ones. There's like a there's like box sets too. If you if you could find the choose your own adventure ones, they'll do box sets with random themes in them and stuff. And I have the one that's just five ninja books, which is so funny to me. But uh, yeah, they're they're awesome, and they give me so much inspiration for all kinds of game development too. Uh, I recently read, oh, shit, what is it? Is it called two thousand and one or three thousand and one? Uh, fuck, I forget the well, name of it. It's a comic, obviously. or is it three hundred and one? I forget what it's called. Uh, why am I searching numbers? And I should search choose your own <laughs> comic. Uh, it was very cool. It was like it is. It was very much styled, kind of like a choose your own adventure or like a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, like like a like a an adventure game almost, where it's like. But it's a it's a comic, and it's an interesting way of like because uh, about like I think I've talked about it on the show before. It makes you think a lot about how you contextualize information because flipping through a choose your own adventure book, um, there's some ease because you know you can flip past words and not instantly read them. But when you're flipping past images, they're like hitting you right in the face kind of immediately. Uh, so yeah, and like, totally, and it made me think. But like, uh, think about like how you can how can you like in games like visually like contextually provide information to players because it's that similar thing where it's not like a movie. The player is controlling the camera, you know, you know, to some mm -hmm. extent. Uh, right there, we we were just talking about fixed game camera fixed camera games earlier. Right, but that, but that's a special constraint right. that like opens up some new possibilities and closes off some other ones. But, you know, but even then, often players are deciding when they move forward or if they're going to go into side rooms and that sort of thing. Right, totally agency. So it made me think <laughs> a lot about exactly. It made me think a lot about uh, how you can visually present information that's contextless or like just washes over you because you don't have the the visual the the mindset for it yet and like how how you can uh, constantly recontextualize spaces especially because you know within the indie space you want to make as few assets as possible you know keep yeah. it <laughs> keep it light uh, i looked it up in the book is 2120 uh by george while saw he also did another thing that looked kind of cool i forget what it was called uh i'm looking at it um, I got it off Avery Press. I think I actually just got my tenth anniversary. I was just yes, I just unloaded them today. My Avery, sorry, Avery Hill. Uh, my latest. I I kickstart a lot of. Oh, Tilly Walden, that's neat. Um, well, the I, bubbles are so small. I'm awesome. looking at it right now. <laughs> oh, the other game is Ghost Etc. I believe. Ooh, that's a cool name. Yeah, I I, I realize I have this. Uh, these all these little postcards of what I imagine like where they're past like big hits because you know I love this part with by Tilly Walden and uh, uh, I don't know all these books but that's the one I do know off the top of my head but now I'm like oh look at all these other 
how could I do something with this? Now that I think about it. Anyway. Uh, I like comics. Sorry. Sorry, what did you say? No, I said I like comics. Oh, uh, and, and I like to look at how hmm. other small press publishers like do their thing and it's where I get a lot of my hmm. ideas from. Yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, comics, comics honestly are incredible. Like I, I feel like there are so many things that are possible in comics that would just be so hard to execute in like any other medium. Like I, I've really been enjoying like comics and manga and like, I don't know, it's something that I've just in the last like year or so, like really gotten back into, Yeah, you know? Um, and I get like so much inspiration from that. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you guys have uh, kind of going back to a previous thing you, we were, we were talking about like Kingsfield controls and how those are really uh, the, 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 the bad controls are kind of essential to that game yeah. in a way. Um, and it, it made me think of a, a more recent game, um, like an itch game. I was wondering if any of you guys played First Land by Photocopiadora. I have not. I think I it's either. like, it's I, it's definitely one that's like really worth um, checking out. I just like, every system in the game is extremely unconventional down to like, um... Like, okay, like, it's, it's a first-person game. When you play it on the gamepad, it has uh, tank controls. When you jump, it, like, the whole jump handling is, like, completely different than normal jump handling. Like, every everything about the controls is unique. And then the adventure game puzzling is actually through, like, a speech system. So it's it's sort of like... It's sort of like a free-roaming mist kind of game, but then you use this speech system where you can put together different symbols to yeah. produce, like, a series of words and... The whole the whole thing is just like incredibly it's like as you go deeper into it, there's more and more like strange and esoteric systems. Um, but it also kind of has a lot of the qualities of games that people would describe as walking simulators, you know, in the sense of like that you're like a lot of the game is just like going through um, beautiful environments that have like a lot of visual storytelling and it's really well executed. Yeah, it is. Definitely, like, there's all these like particular like, kind of. Uh, one of these days, I just finished watching all of my uh, my giant stack of movies, and once I work through my giant stack of comics, I've I have a I have a nightly routine where I make sure I clock out at a certain time and I enjoy art. Uh, <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's that's a good routine. Because um, I feel yeah. like it's also like an essential part of like if I'm not if I'm just kind of like working all the time. Like having a, a a broad palette, you know, is part of being a curator. I guess that's what I tell myself. Uh, but <laughs> I want to definitely dive more into like just like contextuals, like not even not anything to do with uh, indie apocalypse. Like, what if I just played indie game or like these small games and just kind of played them and didn't do anything else? Yeah, like it's just a hard it's a hard mindset to get out of because uh, I've been doing it for so long. But. Yeah, totally. I think that everyone in games experience, like who works in games, um, experiences some degree of the weird bleed of like, I'm doing this as work, and then at some point I need to reconnect to the fact that this is my passion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's usually yeah. where I use weird old <laughs> games, like Kingsfield. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, same. Yeah. Because it, it feels, it's, it's more disconnected from like the whole because you know plenty of those games is like oh that's that's something i would 
like am I going, Oh, I should contact that person to see if they'd include the game or I should commission that person. Like it's just like to turn off that part, but I, cause I, I both want to turn it off, but I want to keep that part on, uh, and always be looking, but anyway, right. games. I love them. I love them. Yeah. Uh, games. <laughs> Video games. They're. Video games. Am I right? They're cool yeah. things. I recommend that people. And board games. They're okay. There, there's some bad ones out there. I don't. Recommend, <laughs> of course, I don't, games are bad. <laughs> I don't recommend you play all of them. There's. Uh, I don't think it's physically possible. Like there are too many. Yeah, I think if you stopped right now and didn't do anything else, you would never have enough time. <laughs> there's just simply not enough time in a day to play all games. It's just like, even if I didn't have to sleep or eat or do anything else. What I recommend is, instead of playing all games, just play all the Legend of Heroes Trails series. Right. There are like 10 of them, and they're all over 100 hours, but wow. they're great. But um, yeah, you should just do that. You're right. And not like a lot of time. <laughs> this, well, this... That's what, that's what, yeah, but like this will last you for like, you know, at least a large chapter of your life, you right. know, <laughs> if this is all you play. So that's oh. what I'm saying. It's like, let this be your journey. Commit to one really long, beautiful, long form game. This is, this is your Falcom era. <laughs> I, yeah. Indiepocalypse is traditionally, we have said, uh, I have a, Indiepocalypse is very pro Falcom in these parts. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I am a big fan of Falcom. Uh, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's cool stuff. I love kind of like very singular, like people who just like are making the games they want to make. And it's just like, they're, it's a, it's a perfect example of a niche, you know, they're still making East games and they're still, yeah, like, no, totally. They're still, I, I do feel like their more recent output has like, yeah. Okay. I know I have opinions about Falcom. I think we're over time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is the point where I was like, Oh, we're, we're hitting two hours. We should actually wind yeah. it up. But that usually means we go for another 30 hour, 30 minutes. <laughs> for sure. Um, with regard to Falcom, I think that like, they're a really interesting company because, you know, their whole philosophy of design was based around like trying to compete with really big companies by delivering really good scenarios, you know, like creating a scenario system. And then they could create like a lot of really like a tell a really good story. And like the idea that one writer who's really good can create an incredible narrative yeah. if they just have like a good event system. Um, that, that's been like their philosophy for, for since I think like the nineties has been like explicitly their philosophy. But I think that they're like very most recent, like latest generate, basically like, Cold Steel 3 and 4, I think, um, kind of, like, are showing them hitting a degree of, like, the corporate content churn thing, you know, where, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of, like, oh, hey, you know, remember all the characters, everyone's going to come through a portal, and it's all your favorite characters from all the games, and, like, they're going to have, you know, like... <laughs> remember this character now we're going to teleport somewhere and have like some weird random scene like you know there's like it's, it's that kind of thing you know right. honestly and i i say this like my, my my name comes from like my name sherazard comes from those games like I'm, I'm a big i'm a big fan like i wouldn't just kind of be like this sucks you know <laughs> but uh yeah i don't know i think that falcom has kind of fallen into the yeah the content churn shit a little bit yeah um 
but Crossbell Saga is like probably like the best JRPG. Yeah, like listen, even if, <laughs> even if they've fallen a little, how much, how much, how many hours of Falcom exist before <laughs> any kind of fall? You know, there's yeah. there exists so much like so much Falcom in the world that you can just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dive into that's that, that's not even saying like I want to get into Xanadu, you know. <laughs> For Dragon Slayer. <laughs> yeah. Oh like, yeah. So many... the first Dragon Slayer on the Game Boy. Wow. That that was amazing. There's like uh really Minecraft. Let's 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 bring back the uh uh, uh let's bring back Draga likes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tower of Draga. That let's, was let's, awesome. let's bring it let's bring them back. Uh I, I joke. Actually, once... it did provide an experience that I think no modern game does, yeah. which is uh the fact that people with the arcade had uh, like a booklet where they would share what they found in the game. Like it was kind of an ARG at the time, uh, Tower right. of Draga, but now the internet exists so it Really yeah, it, ARG is far too quickly. Uh, <laughs> but I, 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 I had a there's it exists in somewhere in my brain the joking idea if I want to make a a, a Simon like, or no, I called it a Simonvania, which is basically just <laughs> what if I made a Metroidvania, but actually it was just really inspired by the obtuseness of Simon's Quest. Oh well. And just like, and then you get entire Discord servers trying to solve it. I I love the idea of just like really obtuse design, uh, mm. but there's like also very specific because I think you know obtuse design. But if you want to go look up how someone else saw it, that's a great that's because it's the great uh, equalizer. Because if I want to go to Game Facts because I don't understand how Valkyrie profile works and I don't <laughs> have. 80 hours to play through and replay through and replay through Valkyrie profile to get all of the play out of it. I just go to game facts and they can tell me how. Yeah. Just but, Google it now. Yes. But, but, but the idea of a game that exists within that like framework, you know, that is, is something that people can bump up against. Like if you just were sitting down and did not understand, like, how I like Valkyrie profile that first Valkyrie profile I think it's very cool uh uh and not to say I think the other ones are not cool I just simply have not played them but and all you really need is a sort of obscure game made by an indie dev which nobody knows about which means that you can't search for it online because yeah. nobody played it yet that's probably what you need and you need to like I think there's so much like uh and there's still obviously there's still people doing that stuff you know that kind yeah. of uh, there's a reason in 2023 people still think about La Mulana, you know. Oh, well, uh, yeah. But anyway, I'm not going to talk about it because it might be my 30th entry into going. What if I play La Mulana and then I give up? <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I like that as an experience of like just playing this and kind of remembering parts of it and like not looking up how to play La Mulana. Uh, <laughs> One of these days, I'll look. I'll have a have get game facts on monitor two or on the laptop and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna actually beat this," but I don't have. <laughs> I'm I'm an adult with a job. <laughs> I don't have. Oh, well. uh, Imagine that. Imagine being an adult. I know. That's I and that's that. Want, um, no, sorry. I always want like more iterations on. Um, this is tangentially related yeah, to what no, you're saying. I just reminded me now. Um, <laughs> The Persona series I love, but I always feel like it's kind of similar to what I was saying with uh, um, 
with Power Couple is that it's like a, this combination of like social romance and also action and you know dungeon crawling etc. Right. But I feel like the Persona series always puts too much into the action, and I want more of the like. No, during the day I want to be able to go on dates and have it like affect the <laughs> monsters more. Right. You know. So I would love to see more iterations on that, especially in the indie space. Uh, I, I will. We've got to wrap this show up. I would say they made dating too easy in Persona. I think it. Uh, <laughs> I think it. I think it kind of like. I think it's still like this. I remember uh, in three, you could get like. Uh, dating wise i think you could max like one person and it took like the entire game yes. and, and now i can do it with like everybody and it's like yeah three was the best one i missed that one i feel like they like, keep getting easier it's so true i think it's too much it falls too much into like that uh that wish fulfillment element of dating uh, simulation style games that i don't particularly care for uh, uh where it's like oh they no longer are characters they're uh, uh objects to be acquired yeah um, right but but i but listen i was trying to wrap up the show we're gonna wrap up the show this time we're gonna do it folks we're gonna do it we're, we're wrapping it up um i'm I'm clicking through valkyrie profile i love the art in this game so <laughs> damn folks play valkyrie profile it kicks ass i love it this guy's got a huge <laughs> ass, he's got a huge ass sword nice uh, that's also how you know it's a good game. Yeah, you know it's a good game. It's nothing but a slab of iron, as they say. Uh, but also, I also recommend playing with a fire of that. Don't be a, don't be ashamed to fire of that game facts. Uh, if you don't have like a, <laughs> if you don't have like a bunch of time to play a game, I would just play like the full Valkyrie profile once. Try is something I'm, I'm also thinking about, like. Try because uh, uh, you know one, one shorter JRPG that I've been playing recently is Fuga Melodies of Steel. It's oh, like yeah, cool. yeah, yeah it's 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 only it's only um, like I don't know twenty thirty hours, which I mean for this type of game is relatively short and tight, you know. Yeah. Um, but it uh, it has a really cool take on the you know how a lot of RPGs will have this thing where like characters can die permanently, like Fire Emblem or whatever. Yeah. Characters can die permanently. And that actually like takes them out of the story, so then like you don't get certain story content. Um, but like with that, it always kind of happens accidentally because the characters die in like two hits or whatever yeah, at the beginning of the game. <laughs> yeah, totally. So so like um, their their take on it is basically uh, the boss fights are really incredibly hard, and when you are close to death in a boss fight, you have a soul cannon, like an ultimate weapon, that like wakes up. And you can put one of the the characters are all children. You can put one of the children into the soul cannon and like Bring sacrifice them to just animal. like obliterate the boss. But it will like Great. impact how the story happens right. going forward. And oh. they really make you like love all these kids a lot. So like it's interesting because just the fact that the kids could die or I could be put in a situation. Oh, sorry. There's you also can't go back and grind. That's another important thing. Like there's yeah. no grinding allowed in the game. Um, it's because it's all basically so, like on a straight path, right? Have like yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, yeah. You can you can like take a path that's like less risky if you're like at like low health and low SP, and you'll get like less rewards or whatever. But but you you can't like repeat things to gain experience or whatever. So if you don't RPG really good to beat the really hard bosses, 
um, you might be put in a situation where you actually do need to use the soul cannon to win. Yeah. So like the the fact that I'm like I I <laughs> I love these little these little cat boys and cat girls. I need yeah. to protect them. Well, so therefore <laughs> I need to I need to RPG so fucking good. So them. I never have like the like just the the potential the fact that there's the potential for them to have to like you know for that situation to happen it's like it it makes the game like a lot more compelling i don't know yeah. it's really cool i i so I, i've been really enjoying that and i know the um the sequel just came out recently and i'm definitely going to pick that up when i same uh yeah once i finish the first one yes cyber oh, yeah. cyber <laughs> cyber connect is making a million naruto games to fund their their little cat their little cat people games that they want to make <laughs> yeah no exactly i'm 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 so i'm so here for yeah. the for the furry rpgs yeah because like, I, yeah. I always forget that about about <laughs> cyber so connect robo. where it's like all oh, right ter- they made tail concerto you know <laughs> like so yeah totally Right, and those are actually all in like one like broad universe. So technically, right. Fuga is like I think a prequel to both of those games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just remember. Yeah, like, it's before. It's the pretty island. loose. Yeah, there are like eighty million dot hack in Naruto games, and then occasionally say, "Hey, who's this little furry guy in here?" <laughs> yeah, I mean that's really that's really how it is, though. It's yeah, like that's that's like okay, like yeah, like 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 you think about how um. Between doing like Killer Seven and No More Heroes, Suda Fifty One did a bunch of licensed games. Right. You know, it's literally like, yeah, it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have some guaranteed income, and now we can take a risk on a furry game without like potentially all destabilizing our sources of of income and right. our employment. You know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was just um, like hearsay or if it was true, but I remember. Uh, hearing a long time ago that even like on the larger scale, like Assassin's Creed was funded by, you know, imagine babies. <laughs> well, like, I'm, I'm sorry for, I don't know if this loud sound is coming in and walking outside. Oh no, you're fine. No, it's just, uh, I, I think that's like, uh, THQ was kept aloft by those like Nintendo game boy <laughs> videos. They made those GBA Nintendo hey. episodes. And it's just like, yeah, it's like the uh, the mass market stuff lets us make the weird stuff, or like not the weird right. stuff, but like the personal stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it like it gives you the room to take risks without like putting yourself in a precarious situation. Right. And like, I feel like for yeah, for a lot of my career, I've been like, I'll just take the risk that puts me in a precarious situation, and then it's like, oh shit, like I'm not in a good like right, you know, whatever. So <laughs> I, I'm in a, I'm in a yeah. precarious situation now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oops like how did that happen right. um right so you know like i feel like i increasingly understand how it like it it, it it it's like one of those things of just like you have to interface with capitalism in some kind of way yeah and if you're going to like yeah i don't know like i think that doing licensed games is probably like a pretty a pretty good way to like make sure that you're still providing for your people because like that's sort of the thing is like like once you have a bit once you once you have people you're working with taking big risks also puts them at risk and destabilizes them you know right right and so it, it can it's like a lot of burden it can be you know yeah or like for, for as much you, as yeah. i know people love like fuga and stuff i just went on steam real quick to compare uh you know fuga has uh all reviews 755 uh naruto ultimate ninja storm 4 has sixty-one thousand reviews you know? yeah <laughs> Right. Uh, so, like, Naruto pays pays for Fuga. Uh, exactly. 
and and whatever else they want to make, you know, Asura's Wrath. Uh, that was oh yeah, amazing. you know I didn't play that one. Now, is it okay? Well, I know no. So, so to be honest, it's not a video game. Like it's more like a giant anime in a video game format. Yeah, but, but it's it's really uh-huh. great. It, but cool. Honestly, if you just look at YouTube playthroughs, no, I, I I'm the opposite. I'm saying it is a is like, an exploration of uh, quick time event as a form, and I think you need to play it in order to experience it. Oh okay. Like, cool. Yeah. Is, is it it dropped? Or, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just I, I played it and also I watched the videos yeah. and like I, I personally didn't feel much difference. Like for me, yeah. I just wanted the next beat of the story and uh, losing at the quick time events just meant I would see the story later. That's how I felt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think when the game came out, the reason that I didn't pick it up at the time was because I was at pretty like done with quick time events mentally yeah. especially after i think it was after heavy rain like i think that was the last <laughs> straw for me is it's just like you will try to elevate this the most and it was still terrible so i think that like we can move on so i think that it just like hit a little bit too late on that trend for me yeah. to want to play it but i think that now that it's like you can like look back on it and realize that it was developed in parallel to all those games and it was probably started when quick time events were very popular um like I don't know. Like I, it is, it is one that I had already been kind of like glancing at and being like, should I, you know, I, hey, should I pick that up? I would give it a shot. Uh, I would yeah, say, for sure. I would say also definitely, man, David Cage couldn't write his way out of a paper bag. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love, uh, <laughs> no, like, uh, no, D- D- David Cage. Um, you know, he, he, there's the thing how he said, uh, I don't make games for faggots and I'm just like, I, I agree. You really don't make games for me. <laughs> like, like this, this is not hitting for me. So it is. I think that assessment was honestly correct. I, I, I think, I think uh, what's Fahrenheit was a neat novelty or something like there's something neat about that when it came out, but like the uh, sure. Yeah. 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 And, right. Because it was right when that was when quick time events were still like, Oh, what are these? We don't even have a word for them yet. Right. And it's, and it's kind of like absurd to a level where it's, or like it, it explores it so deeply, but also, listen, listen, we're trying to end the show. I'm not going to litigate why Heavy Rain is a poorly written story. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's self-evident. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's anyway. like every level of it. Yeah. Anyway, it is, if, does anyone else have any, any, any last pressing uh, matters to attend to? I don't uh, think so. I'm not sure. I took the quick time events out of Resident Evil Four. It's bullshit. That is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I think. Oh true. wow. I, I, listen, I. Yeah, I want. I want to lose that knife fight at least five times. Yeah, I is, want to die to a rock. <laughs> that, that is an essential. Like that. That uh, cutscene is in my mind is burned like an essential like repeatable. So I had a joke once where I wanted to people have like a a, a night. Like a like a performance night of unskippable cutscene monologues, um, as as performance art, and in my mind that like that Krauser uh, knife fight is exists. Oh my god! <laughs> exists in the same spaces like if if you're familiar with Kingdom Hearts, uh, yeah. that that Riku boss fight in Hollow Bastion, um, which we had yeah. lost repeatedly, and at a point we started like because uh, we were funneling our speakers through like. Uh, I figured out you could put I could plug my PS2 into speakers like into like a like a a stereo system. So we would like hanging out while someone was playing that and kept dying to Riku and you would just we would turn on the TV and see how it would sync up with Yu-Gi-Oh or something. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> it was a fun experience. I like. Uh, anyway, I'm. We're losing the thread. We we the thread's gone. So what we're gonna we're do is the end of the show. We're at the end of the show. It's been over two hours. <laughs> I love uh, doing the show, and but you know That's it's got to end at some point. <laughs> yeah, theoretically, for sure. Can... Well, it was really great to talk to you yes. all. But before yeah, we go, this is a, a this is ostensibly a podcast, so we have to get to everyone's favorite part of podcast. Uh, sure, we. So <laughs> where can people find your stuff if they want to find it? Oh, um, you can find me on. Well, Twitter is apparently ending, but yeah. um, <laughs> you can find me there at uh, Tackerweiss. T a e c k e r w y s s, and uh, you can find me on itch, which is a like the letter A, the letter G, and then the same thing, Tackerweiss, uh, dot itch. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm working on migrating to maybe something that isn't totally unstable, but that's right. where I'm at right now. Build your own website. They're handy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, no, it... I, I, I did. I need to rebuild my website because right. I changed my name. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I was like, uh... That's that's yeah the, 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 the yeah one of, one of the parts of indie apocalypse is keeping up with people's names. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. I know. I I appreciate I appreciate that you put so many trans people on. Honestly, though. yeah, that is you know it's uh it's a, an essential. It's I realized it at one point in commission devs. And I was like, huh, all these developers that are commissioning. <laughs> They, I'm like, because I, when I started off, they were like, <laughs> right. my, my goal was like people with, with larger platforms, but seemed like, especially when they had Patreons, it was very easy to look at a Patreon mm-hmm. and be like, yeah. But it seems like they, they, it seems affordable to me. Like, huh, this hits trans people a lot. I wonder if this says something about society. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it says something about, about the scene. Right. It's just that it's like, exactly. yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, it was like, good to talk to you all. I'm well, going to hop off now. Actually, yes. I have to go. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, uh, Mark, uh, what have you got to promote? Where can people find your stuff? So, you can find everything I've ever done on itch at mstrux.itch.io. I am, I just opened this week a drive-thru RPG (sighs) account and made a publisher account. So, I'll be putting stuff on there too. But um, yeah, if you want to find me, you can find me on itch or if on, on Twitter, it is not my name. Uh, it is my Twitter is uh, at space sibling. So yeah. So yeah, uh, but either one, you can find any of the stuff that I've made, and I'll be doing a lot more stuff too in the coming months. So. Yeah, and and listen, I also recommend people, and I'll say it also as an addendum to make your own website, or just get a URL and just redirect it to sites you to other people's sites. Having like a even if you just have a URL, it's a very handy thing to have. Uh, That's a good idea. Yeah. Like, like technically speaking, sure. Indie Apocalypse is not my like Pizza Pranks is my domain that I have registered and everything, and that is my website. But I oh, use that's Indie not po- your birth name. What? That's no, not your birth name. Like- no, that's not my birth name. <laughs> Nor is it a chosen name. It is my. I love on- Pizza Pranks. It's Thank so you. great. Thank you. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a good screen name with great SEO. Um, <laughs> I think it has great SEO if I remember correctly. Um. Oh yeah, it does. It's, I mean, there's a lot of videos of people presumably pulling pranks with pizza, but otherwise, other than that, number one is my own damn website. <laughs> like, not even, not even my Twitter. Just pizzapranks.com, home of Indiepocalypse. Uh, 
But other than that, Do you just... do any of the ones from the videos? Have you done any good pizza pranks? No, no. I've said on the show before. Prank people with pizza, really. The the pe- the 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 titular pizza prank was a friend. They were drinking a little, and he said, "Pick a card and close your eyes and pick a card." But then he put a pizza on top of the card, and he's like, "Made him touch a pizza," and he's like, "Got him." Uh... Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All of these are just like secretly putting a bunch of hot sauce in the sauce, and that's it. These are not very clever pranks. No, those are, and also that's like, not a prank because I love hot sauce. Me too. <laughs> that would be like, thank you, thank you for that. Thank uh, you for pranking me. I, I remember, I remember once the one time I went to IndyK and I was in LA and I asked for a hot. I went to a street truck and he's like, you know these are hot. And I'm like, I love hot stuff. I know I am uh, 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 a white New Englander, but I love hot sauce. You do not underestimate me. I am, I am not a tourist. I eat this shit nonstop. Uh. It's great stuff. Hot sauce. I highly recommend it. Uh, uh, but Adrian, where yes, can people find you? Adrian. If you Google my name, you usually find me, but itch is the best place to find uh, my game. So adriandittrit.h.io. Yes. And on there, there is a link to my Discord server, which is I'm uh, most active on it. Perfect. Yeah, you've got. And you've got I was you've also going to recommend my Twitter while well, Twitter is still alive. So you, I guess you can link to. Uh, yeah, and you've, you've got all you've got all your stuff on there. You know, I this feels like another another uh, false uh, false death of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's be yeah. Up soon. It feels like this is like the thirtieth time it's died. It had some yeah. disastrous uh, breaking thing, and then. Two days later is fine. Uh, so. Yeah, basically use it use my it. main website. Nobody wants to use it. They just they just don't know what else to do, and it's right. just like they already they're already on Twitter, so like I might as well use it until it collapses. But if it yeah. if it collapses for real this time, and that would be so great. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it would be amazing. People would finally go to other platforms. It would be great. Yeah, uh, my favorite platform is this one, <laughs> uh, which is to say zero platform. Uh, yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> radio? Yeah, radio, radio. No, yeah, I don't know. I just, platforms are difficult, and I think you can, people survived without social media beforehand. How do they do it? I'm, gonna fi- I'm trying to figure out how they did it. And I think- Most it's... of them are dead, you know? Oh, shit. I don't want to be, th- I don't want to be that. Uh... It would be so annoying, though, if we got rid of social media, because- yeah. It took me years of everyone saying, if you want to do all this stuff, you got to learn social media. And then I had to figure yeah, out how to do Twitter thing. and everything. Right, right. And then I think the, the the other solution is a lot harder. And I think it just actually requires a lot of people to, I think social media allows you to just kind of be on your own to some extent. Mm-hmm. And I think before, after that, we have to work more cohesively within scenes and people got to pump up yes. their own, each other's works, you know. Communism. But speaking of pumping up each other's work, uh, Indie Apocalypse pretty much just pumps up people's work all the time. It's it's, it's exclusively great. what it does, and I recommend that you buy it. If you go to IndiePocalypse.com, you can purchase it there. On my own website, I have it there now. If you want to get a physical edition of it, you can go to IndiePocalypse.com/tapes, and you get a copy Ooh. of Indie Apocalypse inside a cool little cassette case uh, on a USB stick, of course, because it's. A, their games not <laughs> music there's not uh, indie apocalypse is not though it would be fun if i had an issue that was all like c64 games and i did put them on an actual cassette oh. that'd be kind of neat uh but 
no, that is not what it is. <laughs> you can also subscribe uh, to Patreon, IndiePocket.com slash Patreon. You can, if you want to be included into a future issue of IndiePocalypse, it's easy to submit your game at IndiePocalypse.com slash submit. It's pretty much always open. Uh, that's it, I think. I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, that's the end of the show. Adrian, Mark, thank you both for being here. Sure, uh, you were not here, but I also like to officially say thank you for being here. Um, glad to have you all on the show. Glad to have you all making games. Uh, and, you know, it's it's fun. I like it. <laughs> I like doing this. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Um, with that said, I'm going to think about what I'm going to eat, and I'm going to say goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>